It's been insane. Cool. You guys cover ADP. I got draft positions and depth charts pulled up. So, oh, even better. It's like we've done this before. We're we're kind of prepped for this show. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing <laughs> prepping ourselves? There's no blame sheet either. I blame Ryan. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, I go to Dan, I'm like, uh, are we still doing this tonight? Oh, yeah. There's a so show like sheet. I just wrote it in Notepad 10 minutes before the show started. <laughs> we don't need show sheets. We don't, do them. we don't do them most of the time anymore. I mean, no. if a guest asks for one, we will, but we don't do them most of the time anymore. Since no, I already started the best way to go. Well, here we go. Welcome to Beerfield, where we don't need no stinking show sheets, and we're back. It is another episode in, I guess, what is season six, so we just got through our sixth NFL draft as a podcast. That's 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, yeah, six. Draft as a podcast, which seems kind of surreal. Um, Dan, you're back. I'm here. I mean, I, I'm back. Physically. I mean, you never yeah. left. I would say I never really, really left. But yeah, I'm here. I'm excited. This is like, I think this might be my new favorite episode of the year. It's the post draft. Yeah. Where we all get to like argue back and forth about things that won't matter in like, you know, four months. But still, <laughs> we start getting actual answers. If I ever went back and listened to our stuff, I should go back and listen to the last few years post draft episodes just to see how those went. But oh man, I'll digress. Probably pretty fun. Uh, we are presented by the Face Off Sports Network, and another the reason we're with the Face Off Sports Network is he's here with us today. Uh, we've been using his rookie ADP all off se- all uh, draft season. To talk about these guys anytime we needed to reference it. Ryan Miner, welcome back. What's going on? Long time hey. friend of the show. Oh, yeah. Can't believe it's been six years already that you guys started. It feels like it's yesterday. fucking nuts, Me man. Either. I can't believe it either. Me either. Seems, seems like yesterday you guys just did your first podcast. I know. Uh, I miss Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Motto Tone, Nick. I think secretly he misses it too. I think. I think once he's done with school, I've asked him enough times, but like spaced out enough to where I just always have the bug plant in the back of its head. Yeah. Just, like he can't escape us. He won't, he won't escape us. I won't let him to. He wants to come back. He does. I know he wants He'll to be come back. back. All right. As you can imagine, it's after the draft. So we were talking the NFL draft. We're going to go through full recap, kind of position by position, uh, but not everyone because that would take way too long. So Got a draft recap. Get you all reset for Dynasty. Look at situations. Uh, look at draft capital. See how some of these guys uh, adjusted post draft. But before we do that, we have beer. What's fueling beer fueled? Dan, why don't you go ahead? I am drinking something that is so fresh that we canned it. It would be eight hours ago. We canned it at noon today. Brand new. We'll hit the uh, distribution market in 
next week for for, for Illinois, Ryan, you'll probably see yours end of the month. And that is Distills Deadhead IPA. This is their West Coast. This is their clean, balanced, slightly hot forward, all sorts of goodness. I'm so fucking pumped. But yeah. Distill on for the 20th time this year. That's right. It's like someone works for him. God yeah, damn it. He's, he's not care. even trying a, anymore. He's just grabbing no. free samples. As I'm, <laughs> as I'm wearing a white oak hat. <laughs> Where am I to still shirt? Ryan, you drinking anything? I am. I'm drinking an Old Nation uh, M43. boy. It's about as common as me drinking distill. Ryan drinking Old Nation. Yeah, drinking a you know, Michigan <laughs> beer and you're drinking Illinois beer. Well, I guess I'm I gonna, love Old Nation. I guess I love M43. I'm drinking Southern Illinois beer. So, uh, <laughs> Your I, house beer? No, I've got Stubborn Germans Alt beer. Oh, Stubborn German so Brewing good. Company out of Waterloo, Illinois. If you're ever in the St. Louis area, make the quick trip over. Great bourbon selection, great beer selection. And Chris will, the uh, proprietor of the Stubborn German Brewing Company, who hopefully got his geezer fixed, will probably be on the show at some point this summer. So um, they also have a podcast, Stubborn German Podcast. It's a good listen. You should check it out. Um, Kevin Osti is the host of that show. He used to do some things for, I think, like Hot Rod TV and stuff. So. They actually have a real voice that talks instead of just, you know, me. Um, anyway, alt beer. Cold conditioned, uh, top fermenting beer. That's what makes it an alt beer. So out of out of Dusseldorf. So instead of bottom fermenting lager yeast, the old way of doing it was top fermenting lager yeast, airco, alt. So uh, for review, about halfway through the show, I apologize in advance for what I'm about to do because I have no idea what this drop is, but we're going to use it anyway. Draft Recap That actually was not bad. That was fucking weird, man. I, I don't I, I do not remember that one like, at all. I think we used it one time. <laughs> that was, that was like that was like, are we on acid now? Like, are we, are we, <laughs> <pumped> the <drops laughs> we're, that ty- we're that type of show now. Here we go. We are that type of show now. All right. 2022 NFL draft was last week. Um, lot of, of storylines throughout, a lot of things. Hey, an appearance from a child. <laughs> a lot of, uh, a lot, lot of storylines throughout, uh, YouTube, Beerfield podcast to see what the Ryan has no clue. No, we're talking about. Yeah. He, he has no idea. <laughs> That's almost right behind you. He yep. was. He was. Yep. And then, like, <laughs> the other one. on the podcast. Yep. They, yep. Uh, <laughs> over your other shoulder. Yep. On the steps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <another> God. <laughs> like, like, so funny. They don't think I hear him coming down the stairs. I mean, he's like, doo, 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 doo. like, you can't sneak out around the house. Like, I hear you coming. He's <laughs> <laughs> got them dad ears. Uh, he, knows yeah. where, he, he knows where everyone is. Yeah, when you have a 13, a 10, and an 8-year-old, it's kind of hard to get away with things. It's true. All right, um, we're going to start off with the quarterbacks. So quarterbacks are a storyline throughout the draft. Uh, fewest quarterbacks taken in the first two rounds in a long time. Since um, 2000. Yeah, and your first, first quarterback didn't go till pick 20. Uh, nobody else went until round three. Uh, last quarterback to go that low, I think, was 2016. I think so. I think it was yeah, because that was, that was in the EJ Manuel one was because he yeah. was like fifteen or something. 
Yeah. So oh, yeah. last time you got out, out of the top ten picks. So that's already not a good sign. Um, but you know, on the quarterback front, first we got to talk Kenny Pickett because Kenny Pickett's the one guy that did get first round draft capital, uh, even with the hand size, and he even he did not <laughs> land in an immediate starting role with which Mitch Mitch Trubisky there. I think it'll probably be an open competition, but even he of first round draft capital did not get an immediate starting job. No, I fully. I mean, I fully expect them to take by about week three or four. I mean, they play in in arguably the toughest division in football. You know, them or the AFC West. I may not agree with the pick, but it doesn't matter uh, when when Pickett starts, and he will. I mean, it's he's got one of the better one of the better groupings of uh, of a positional skill players. So. He's going to be a, a, probably at least a QB2 in most weeks. You know, he's a good super flex QB2 and uh, the only quarterback probably worth being taken in, in the first round in super flex rookie drafts right now. Uh, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen a lot of Malik Willis, which is, I'm sorry, guys. That's, that's, you're just hurting yourself there. There's only one quarterback worth being taken in the first. Yeah. And so I guess my question is this, right? We know that. We know that nobody's starting immediately. Um, even well, we don't know that. I mean, I guess Trubisky, Trubisky could completely suck, and Pickett does start immediately. But in general, I'm pretty certain that nobody's outside of surprises. Nobody's starting immediately. So, I mean, Willis lands behind Tannehill, Corral behind um, Arnold, behind Darnold, right? Ritter behind Mariota and pick it behind Trubisky. And I mean, immediately what you've got in that grouping, even though there's two rounds separating them is you've got three guys that are starting behind guys that are pretty much on their last breath is, is NFL starters, particularly Ritter and Pickett, who are both behind guys that are, you know, guys that were seniors plus backups last year that we tabbed going into the off season is we'd like to see them get a chance to start who are now likely going to get one more shot. It being an NFL starter or a bridge quarterback before, these other guys take over. So what does make Pickett worthy of that first round, but not Willis, given the fact that Willis had such a higher perceived upside? Is it just the draft capital? And Ryan, do you agree that Willis isn't Ryan? Do you agree that Willis is not worth a first round pick? Oh yeah, absolutely. I would never touch him at a first round pick. I'd be more likely mid second at best with him, depending on how the whole draft falls. I mean, even right now with Pickett, Superflex, he's even going at the end of the first, sometimes beginning yeah. of the second. Like the running backs and the receivers are going first. But uh, yeah, I mean, for Pickett to start this year, I don't see it really being three to four games because, like, uh, history tells you with the way Pittsburgh's been playing, the last time they had a losing season was 2003. And that was right before they draft Big Ben. So if you think about it, if they're really going to lose again, I think we won't see Pickett till week 10. You know, based on like if they're already kind of pushing out of the playoffs, which it possibly could be happening even sooner, like as, as soon as week eight. Do we have schedules up? I know that I've seen some of the uh, European game schedule. We don't have actual schedules announced yet, right? No. Because that's, I mean, the best thing to look for is when it's Pittsburgh's bye week or look for a stretch of games. The reason why I think it'll start earlier is that Pittsburgh's team is just, I, I know the defense is good, but 
and maybe Cleveland gets off to a slow start because we don't know what Watson's suspension is going to look like. But that division is so fucking tough, and that conference is so fucking tough that it's hard to see Pittsburgh. You've you know, got... like it's. I mean, but you're maybe... making an unsafe assumption there too, which is that Pittsburgh is going to be like bad, bad, so bad that they feel like they need to make a change at quarterback. And I mean, look, Trubisky's taken I know this probably better than anybody I mean Trubisky handcuffed by Nagy's offense looked good in spurts and took two Bears teams to the playoffs under Matt Nagy and now you put in an off offense with weapons with a defense that's probably equally good to what he had then or at least close to it you put in an offense that has weapons and you give him a back like Najee Harris, I mean, there's no guarantee that Trubisky's bad enough to justify a change, even if Pittsburgh's, you know, chasing. Sure, which which I think it's baked into, you know, Pickett's perceived value, especially his ADP, where the NFL told us to punt to QBs, mm-hmm. and we're starting to see that show up in the rookie ADPs. I've seen Pickett go as high as, as 102, 103, and I, and, you know, as Ryan said, he's going as low as you know, and at the top of the second. So it, it's, I mean, maybe he does, you know, maybe Trubisky does, you know, play a full season, you know, or at least plays, you know, the majority of the season and, you know, Pickett gets to start in 2023. Um, I mean, I think a lot of that's already baked into where you're getting them in your, you know, in your rookie drafts. So we knew that Pickett was going to play week one. I don't think he would be going late first that's also true and i think there's no debate that where pickett's going is fine i think the one thing yeah, debating fine. is yeah. does he he start week one i kind of agree he'll start at some point because even if trubisky plays well right the pit the steelers obviously saw enough in Pickett to make him um a first round pick so you know i don't think trubisky is going to be hang out long term he's on a two-year deal um, yeah, they don't really have an, an out on him, but if they need to make a change and have him back up for a year, they could do it. And if he plays well, he's only going to be 30 years old. He could be in line for a, a better deal elsewhere. I just don't know that taking draft capital out of the equation, which I know you can't do, that you can really say that Pickett's situation is a ton better than um, Malik Willis's, especially given that a lot of people perceive that Willis had the same the same upside. I mean, you bet on. Let me ask this. You're betting on historic trends of third round quarterbacks. Like Willis is like bottoming out. Is he never takes he he never, he never plays takes a snap. Or snap. Yeah, and that's why you can't take him in the first round. And Ryan's right, right. That's why you have to start looking at him maybe around mid to late second. His upside doesn't change. I think we all can no, agree his with that. Doesn't like change it, at all. not at all. But now his, you know, now his body me now is D.D. Westbrook way back in the episode four callback well, no, is fucking four. Bottom, it's bottoming. The bottom out for D.D. Westbrook <laughs> was dead. So, I know. I know. I don't want to say as much, but yeah. it's that uh, it's more than likely that Willis plays what? Maybe a handful of games if uh, if we're lucky. I don't think he plays at all. I mean, you saw Ryan Tannehill. He's not going to mentor him. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. shit. I mean, Willis, yeah. If he plays well enough, like he did two years ago, he gets a contract extension, and Willis is okay. Maybe Kellen Mond. I don't know. Well, 
speaking of Kellen Mond, that's a good transition. The guy that actually went ahead of Willis because Willis was not the second quarterback off the board yeah. <laughs> even that is in a very similar situation to Kenny Pickett. You've got twin two. I think Mariota also got a two year deal, so you got twin two year deals. Um, behind two quarterbacks that are both set up on last chance type of deals with Mariota and Trubisky. I mean, the situations that Pickett and Ritter are in are only differentiated by the the fact that Trubisky slash Pickett and Pittsburgh have a lot more weapons. Um, So what do you make of Ritter? One being, I mean, his third round pick, I think all three third round picks are definitely project pieces to a degree. What do you make of Ritter landing in a very similar situation to what Kenny Pickett did and also being the second quarterback off the board by by 12 picks. Ryan, go ahead and do this one. I was actually surprised he was actually second quarterback taken because I was, I was always thinking like Willis was like the drop of Willis was going to stop. I was like, oh, here's this, here it is. You know, and then everyone just kept passing and passing. I'm like, when's this going to stop? And I'm like, oh, here it is. And then it ended up being Ritter. And I'm like, well, all right, we got Drake London now. You got Kyle Pitts. Yep. So you got two tall like red zone weapons. And you got Desmond Ritter who's got a cannon of an arm actually. If you watch like a few of his highlight tapes, like Alex Pierce, was it Alex Pierce? Yeah, yeah. Alex Pierce. Yeah. I'm trying to think Cincinnati. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's got that deep ball throw. Like if he can just, you know, get that offensive line, which they also built up a little bit also, I think it, Ritter actually could be one of the best quarterbacks of this draft class. I mean, it's not really saying much, but could actually be the number two overall for the rookie running back or for the rookie quarterback. I mean, I see it. I mean, I think his, I think his, he has the same amount of chances as, as Matt Corral and as, mm-hmm. you know, Malik Willis, even Sam Howell, because all these quarterbacks above these guys could easily, you know, fall flat. I won't say easily because I don't expect Tannehill too, but, you know, Atlanta has probably the worst roster in the NFL. I mean, they play in, in probably the easiest division. Right. Um, so if they get off to some, one or two game had start, sure, that maybe he stays longer. I think Ritter gets his chance at some point this year. And he's uh, super athletic. He, like he's got he's 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 a lot more athletic than I think people want to give him credit for. And I and I think he's more methodical with with his thought process and going through his 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 progress where he's not he's gonna be maybe Alex Smith light, right? Where he's he's game managing and then you know taking off and running and getting his rushing yards that way. Probably not super upside, but um, he has two targets to throw to that are beastly. Like that's his job, and, and then you know, to check it down to Patterson. Yeah. That boom, like not yeah. sexy. You know, QB two fine. He'll probably you know get replaced next year though. Sadly, because Atlanta's bad, and they're gonna have a top three to five pick and in a lot better class. So I'm probably avoiding Ritter because I just it's hard for me to see Atlanta not take a quarterback next year. With them only taking a third rounder this year, it's it's hard for me to see that unless they win more games than expected. Or he Russell Wilson's this then, but or 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 he does that and you know great for Atlanta, right? They yeah. they saw the they found the diamond in 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 a field of shit. So and, and I and I don't and I don't think he's that. They do have an out on Mariota after next year too. Um, Ritter is. We got to do something. Let's spend a third round pick, take a flyer on a guy who yep. you yep. can argue is, you know, right in this tier of quarterbacks behind Pickett as far as being NFL ready. And let's, let's see what we get. He's athletic. Um, you know, he's got a lot of synergies to Marietta. So he's going to be in a good situation to learn from, 
from a veteran. Marriott hasn't come out and said anything about not mentoring people. So <laughs> he's know. playing for a next bridge job next year. Right. So it'll be that'll be interesting to watch. I, I do like Ritter and I think so did he surp- did he surpass Willis as the two in this class to anybody, or are they just tiered up together? They're all tiered up. I mean, that's yeah. me personally, up. they're all tiered up. I, I still uh, probably take Willis because I'm shooting for upside. Like I don't think any of these guys has an actual shot at playing multiple years. So right. shoot just shoot for upside with Willis and then Ritter, because obviously he's just as just as athletic, but yeah, when I've got them tiered together. Um yeah. all right, Matt Corral. Uh, also third round pick lands in Carolina, another, it's a different situation, but also a situation where you got to figure Darnold's on his last breath. Um, Corral also has a lot of development opportunity. Um, you know, to me, the difference between, you know, him and Ritter is that Ritter at least looked polished and might just be like topped out as far as where he goes as a passer. Um, Malik Willis is not anywhere near topped out. He's raw, but you can see that he's, you know, raw and can very easily grow into this kind of, you know, really good role. Um, whereas I watch Corral and I'm just like, there's holes in his game. And I don't know that there's holes in his game that you can necessarily fix because they seem to be more almost mental than anything. I mean, you can try to fix the mechanics and the fact that he has accuracy issues, but you know, to me, it's just doesn't process the field that well, doesn't see the field that well. I'm not a Matt Corral fan, um, but the landing spot to me has to have him in the same conversation as guys like Willis and Ritter, but maybe kind of in a tier of his own below those two, just because I don't believe in the ability quite as much. <laughs> it's, is you, I mean, you and I joked about this during the actual draft, like, is he worse than Darnold? Maybe. Is he better than Darnold? Maybe. Maybe. Do we think Darnold sucks and will get benched at some point this year? Absolutely. fucking lutely like, But, he, it, it, you, know, you know, he'll come in and play three, four games, maybe the whole season. Maybe he's Davis Mills. Maybe he sucks, and Carolina's taking a quarterback next year. Like, it's the same thing with Ritter, except you know, I, I I trust Carolina's defense probably more to keep him in games because of so how, how bad that division is, and I think the seventh wild card spot's up for grabs. So <sighs> I, I like Corral a lot, like watching like his tape and stuff. But like noticing like how good he was, like yeah, he could run the ball anytime. Like you know, he had that run and go pass and just tuck it and run. Yep. But a lot of things I noticed too, like as a flaw, was his eyes lead the defense too easily. Mm-hmm. So the defense knows how it can like shift when he's passing. Like he's looking for that uh, wide open receiver. He him he, down he's deep. like. Yeah, he stares him right down, so he's looking right down the line at him, and so it's like, all right, so then you see the safeties and linebackers start shifting that way, and that's when he gets picked or, you know, knocked off the pass. I do like him a little bit more for DJ Moore, because he's more willing to take the deep shots. More for But more. it's also Carolina has to drum up the right place to do that. I fucking trust them, so yeah, it just makes my DJ Moore, you know, all my DJ Moore shares even, you know, even more sad because of it. Yeah, and it's is it sad for DJ Moore. He's the only receiver with what back to back to back, eleven hundred yards and five touchdowns. No one else has that kind of stat line right now. <laughs> he's so good. There's so many <laughs> bad quarterbacks. Yeah, and I I think that outside of Pickett, who's back of the first, that you don't. And those other three guys are kind of just clumped up. You 
you got to draft what you believe the upside is, which is why Willis is two. And then, you know, probably there with Ritter because of the rushing floor and then Corral. Um, they're all definitely not guys you go out and spend first round picks on in your rookie draft. You spend. And I've you know, seen it so second, far. I've seen Malik uh, Willis so go the back end of the first. Yeah. You spend and I'm just like, to, why? To early third. And the other guy that's in that conversation from a situational standpoint is Sam Howell. Uh, Sam yep. Howell's a guy a lot of people had as a quarterback one before the college season started. Um, a lot of people like a lot of film people, um, even some stats people, I think, kind of liked what what he was able to put together. I mean, you kind of saw journeyman there, somebody that could be passable. Um, and he lands in Washington behind Carson Wentz, who can't lock up a job anywhere. So, again, not unlike everybody else, is he the surefire starter or the long-term answer? No. But is there a possibility that he is, especially given Wentz's uh, health struggles? Yeah. But you'll get a chance. They also still have Taylor Heineke too, though, right? And that's I, th- I believe anyway. And that's yeah, I'm check that. And that's the flip side, right? Hal could be anywhere from starting to third string, depending on how his training. <laughs> he goes. could get. He's a fifth round pick. He could get cut. He could get cut. He could end up on a practice squad. <laughs> practice squad, like yeah. it, that's how. Like I can't believe it. I've seen people that like I respect their takes. Had him as as their QB one. It's just. The NFL took a shit on this quarterback class. They did. And I was here for it. I'm here for it. Like yeah. every Seattle pick, every Tennessee pick, I'm like, here goes Willis, here goes Ritter, here goes Corral. And he just did like, no, I want to take fucking running backs and middle linebackers and shit like that. You know, mm-hmm. nope, don't want them. And I'll I, wait till next year when it's better. Yep. And I think the landing spot's the only thing that still makes Sam Howell draftable in Superflex, yeah. but it's like fourth round draftable. Yeah. Because yep. into third, happens. fourth, yeah. yeah, yep, I agree. Because the area, yeah, the situation's there, um, and set up for him to potentially end up as a starter and playing meaningful snaps and being able to, you know, have some QB two weeks. But you know, the the downside is he's on a practice squad. He's also, if you're going to stash a if you have taxi squads, if you're going to stash a quarterback there, you know, good call. That's really all four of those guys we just talked about our options uh the only other guy with any meaningful draft capital was uh was bailey zappy he was actually a fourth round pick between corral and and how it's crazy to me he went ahead of howl and he went to the patriots so you know zappy to me is a backup right unless the floor falls out for mac jones he's a backup and he was drafted to be a backup and he was drafted to be depth and the patriots know that you know if something happens to Mac Jones, you don't really have to change the offense for Zappy to come in and play. And Hoyer is 90 now. So, you know, Zappy purely drafted to be a backup. So, yeah. You don't need to like draft him in your rookie drafts. No. Especially like college football and uh, touchdowns, too, passing touchdowns and passing yards for what was oh, it, yeah. Washington. Or Did Western he break Kentucky? the record? Did he Western beat Burrow's yards record, too? He was in a Western Kentucky air raid offense, and he might have. But I think he did beat uh, Burrow's yardage record. The problem is, is he didn't land in a outside of an injury to Mac Jones. He didn't really land in a spot to pull a Gardner Minshew on this one. So I think, I think if you're taking Billy or uh, Billy or uh, Zappy, I think you're hoping for like uh, Case Keenum, maybe Later you know, a guy on, that yeah. can be a a true a true you know journeyman. Maybe you know. 
you know, Jones gets hurt for a few games and he pulls a Garoppolo and they win a few with him. And yeah. they flip him for a second because it's Patriots. Because he looks good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he looks great in shorts. His one year career was great there. I mean, he had uh, <laughs> 686 attempts, 475 completions, 5,967 passing yards, 62 that's touchdowns. That's yeah. fucking 62 inter- touchdowns. Is nuts, and 11 man. interceptions. <laughs> The guy's so fucking, very accurate. The guy, that's, the that's guy elite. Produced. Yeah, <laughs> that's elite, there, boys. And I want him one on one. Let's go. I wish yeah, he had landed that's... somewhere that had quarterback question marks instead of just spent a first rounder on one last year. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, unless Belichick's been pay- playing Madden a lot, that's like, those are Madden numbers right there. <laughs> that's right. right. I create a player on your uh, <laughs> yeah. on your college roster that you import over to Madden. <laughs> All right. Anything else on quarterbacks? God. No, that the rest of that class is kind of uh, gross. Yeah. It's all gross. That's a nice way to say it. All right, let's flip over to the the running backs and your top two, uh, the guys that are being debated as the RB one are Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. So obviously, Brees Hall landed with the Jets. Michael Carter was the incumbent. Um, Kenneth Walker lands with the Seahawks, where you have Rashad Penny and Chris Carson as your incumbents. So, um. I guess we break it down from here, right? Who do you want to start with? <laughs> Let's, I want to start with Brees Hall. Okay. Um, because I think Brees Hall is the 101. Um, yeah. You know, I, I agree with the generational talent tank. He, take. he showed more as a receiver. Michael Carter, we had been pounding the table of, you need to get someone else in here. And this feels a lot like a Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hyams situation where Carter can play a Naeem Hines type role if he if he needs to, and that you know Cavs holes passing upside a little bit, but you know doesn't take it away entirely. Um, you know could still be a you know forty fifty target a year guy, and you know I think is going to be extremely talented as as a runner. Um, do I fault people that have Kenneth Walker ahead of him? No, especially not in Seattle under this regime that traditionally likes to run more than they like to pass. And you're probably going to see a return to that with Drew Locke under center. Um, but overall, I think the talent of Brees Hall to me, just especially as a receiver, just edges out Kenneth Walker, especially in Seattle's offense at the moment, despite the volume Walker should see. I it's Hall easily. When we get to Walker, I, I'll be honest with you guys. Spoiler. I, I don't like the Seattle landing spot at all. So. Um, but you know, we can talk about that when we get to him. I, I don't think anyone's mad that he went to the jets, right? I don't think anyone's upset. Uh, cause he should have a role. Obviously, just like Hopper said, he should see, you know, he should still get the volume. Zach Wilson didn't really target running backs. That's probably the only concern. And now you add Garrett Wilson to that too. You have two wide receivers that can operate in all, in, in all three quadrants of the field and guys that they can kind of get gadgets with. So there might be. <laughs> some competition alongside Michael Carter for those, you know, you know, for some of those running back targets. But if people, if the jets are supposed to take the jump that people expect them to Brees Hall, it's going to be a big part of that. You know, he may, it might be a Joe Mixon situation for him though. It might be, you know, a slow start um, because the offense is still trying to figure his shit out. If Zach Wilson doesn't pan out, then you have to kind of go through your lumps the way that, that Joe Mixon did prior to Burrow you know, joining that team. But I think it's, I, I don't fault people for wanting to take wide receiver over him at the one-on-one. I, 
I wouldn't personally because of position scarcity um, and running backs are so important. And because the quarterback class is so bad and we're seeing, we're starting to see a lot of those top 10 running backs dynasty age themselves out that I'm so, I'm so confident and bullish on hall, but it's, it might be uh not might it might be kind of a slowish start for him in 22, but I have, yes. he's still just 20 years old. He's got a, a lot of time to still hit his prime years. So one thing I knew doesn't target running backs take uh jets, running backs, Michael Carter and Ty Johnson, 110 targets last year between the two. Yeah, he, oh, only two running backs. Uh, only two games with Zach Wilson had any running back gone over five targets. And that was Ty Johnson just twice. And that was, I mean, it's, it's great because they have, you know, Joe Flacco and those guys. And Michael Carter's best game came with Joe Flacco. I think it was Joe Flacco or, or Joe it Johnson, whatever. It was Mike White. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, Mike White. So, it, unless Wilson gets hurt, but we'll, well see. Let's put it only an individual. There's, there's upside. Five there, there's upside to his change. If you shift most of that or a lot of that hole's way, I mean, I'm just. Just spitballing here. Right? That's the hope, I mean, right? Your, is your yeah. total running back targets, you know, is probably in that six to seven a game when you look at John, the combination of Johnson and That's Carter. True. So That's true. Yeah. Instead of just the individuals, because they were in pretty much a, I mean, they were even 50 50 on their target volume for the year. So I don't think you can look at any one guy. I think you have to look at the totality of what happened with the backs. You just hope that I know with the micro, you know, with Michael Carter, true with Jalter, you just hope that it, like you said, that it is kind of a cold situation and, and JT nines can get their own that maybe Carter and Hall can, but what you hope is that Wilson takes another step and step yeah. and this team throws. More. Yeah. You want some touch on upside yeah. <laughs> at, yeah, at the very least get some touch on upside. Cause they yeah. built a team to be to trying to make Zach Wilson succeed. Yeah. So I mean the way it's going right now, I mean with Brees Hall and the Michael Carter, you actually have a nice really like one, two punch there. You do. Where before it was just Michael yeah. Carter. And then after that, you're kind of like, eh, who's next? You know, Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson. You know, so, yeah, it was a need and they just nailed it right then and there. Mm-hmm. So like, could we, we could even see like possibly in like a Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon type situation where it's like, you know, they might say it's a 50, 50 split. And here we're all going to think it's going to be, you know, 60, 40, 70, 30 as the season goes on, but no, it's state 50, 50. And this could possibly happen. We're, I hope not. Could be the, <laughs> yeah. But Brees Hall could be the touchdown monster. You don't put him at the goal line. He's going in. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that throws some water on the upside, really, for both guys. Because let's talk, Walker. Dan, you said you don't like the Seattle landing spot, and I certainly see reasons to to not like it as well. Should the volume be there? Sure, but then when you factor in the fact that the O line is lackluster, you still have Rashad Penny and Chris Carson there, who have both been productive, especially Rashad Penny at the end of last year. Then you all of a sudden are crowded, and he doesn't catch passes. And he doesn't catch passes, and he might. I I get it. I get it. Film grinders. He looked great catching passes to combine. You know, he, he, you know, he, he caught some passes in high school. Historically, if you don't catch passes in college, if you're not targeted enough in terms of your offense, it's, that doesn't translate, that doesn't transition very well into the NFL. Walker could. We know he's a great runner, yeah. but you have the worst. You have one of, you're going to have one of the worst offenses, one of the slowest offenses in football. You have a, a horrible coaching staff with very dated play calling that 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 you know clearly wants to take off this year. I don't hate I hate Walker for this year. I, I think he's going to get overdrafted, and especially in redrafts. Twenty twenty three is where you hope that Seattle cuts ties with you know with Pete Carroll, 
and they go after their quarterback of the future, they can hopefully retain, you know, DK Metcalf and the offense doesn't take too much of a dip and you get to see some of that touchdown upside with Walker that he showed in college. But it's so hard to want to get in on him this year. And with him not having that, that pass catching skill set, it's just, it's, it's like a lighter version of Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry and where we're always arguing or Josh Jacobs, where we're always arguing, you know, why aren't these guys more valuable? And it's because they don't get targeted and they have to hit their nuts. I mean, Derrick Henry had a 2000 yard ceiling and he wasn't the RB one that year, at least in points per game. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one, Dan. Like I can see, I can see where you're coming from. Like when you say like he wasn't much of a pass catcher, but then, like, I actually dug deeper into that. Like, looked back at like his high school, and it was hard to find like anything high school related. No, I know it's like, super hard to find. It is like they'll give you like you know his stats, but then we'll give you like you know game by game log. And like he had sixty one receptions over three seasons in high school. So I mean, that's more than a standard high school running back in general. And, yeah. and on film, he looked comfortable doing it. And I think that that's the the argument you see going both ways right now a lot is that. He looked comfortable as a pass catcher when he was asked to, but he wasn't asked to. So how's mm-hmm. that going to translate, especially given the fact that Chris Carson is proven adept at that? And and these guys in Seattle didn't catch a lot of passes. And you have no. an insane quarterback change. You have one of the most efficient quarterbacks of our generation. Going moving one to, to one of the most efficient quarterbacks of our generation. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Drew Locke is a GOAT. And that it just it, it's it's great that he caught passes in high school. It, you know, it's it's why did two separate offenses, especially Michigan State, who threw the football a fair amount, just not target the running back? Sure, but if 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 Walker's supposed to be this good, why aren't you using him more? And that's always been my concern with these guys. It's not like Wisconsin who just didn't throw the football a lot, or Boston College was you know with AJ Dillon. But when they did throw the football, those guys got, you know, 10% target share. It's, you know, and you're looking at Walker with his, I think, I think it's like 5.4%. And it's like, there I don't know. are games where he ran plenty of routes and they just never even looked his direction. He's open. They just never yeah. looked that direction. I mean, maybe, right? Like, we're hoping for Melvin Gordon. Right. Maybe we're expecting Josh Jacobs out of, Worse offense or maybe similar offense, and 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 hopefully he's not. You know, I don't know who else to be. Thing that concerns me though is we know that they this team is is good with Carson and Rashad Penny has first round draft capital and just started to to rehab produce himself, a bit yeah. and, and rehab some of that value. So you know that's the other thing you got to pay attention to, especially early on. Would you guys take Walker? Is he still your 102? Yes. From a talent. Is- yeah. Yeah. He- yeah. I mean, like, th- th- there's a twist he can do with that. And, like, the twist is, all right, so, like, he, I, you, you nailed it, like, this year. This year, he would suck because of the loaded backfield. But we have to remember that um, Rashad Penny is only on a one-year deal. Yeah. Yes. And then Chris Carson can probably be released. I don't think he's, he, he's going to play this year. Yeah, we'll that be honest. Well, yeah. that too, <laughs> with the neck issues, they could creep back up at any time. And then all of a sudden, he's alone. You look at the situation they found themselves in down the stretch several times over the last few years because of how yeah. hard they ride their running backs. Yeah, so like he's he my one hundred and four. I say that he can be the RB one next year. 
for the Seattle yeah. Seahawks. Oh, yeah, that, and that, easily. That you know, and you so, just have to hope that the team improves. Yeah. And, you know, you go, go ahead. No, I, I think I know where, where Dan's going with that. And, you know, there's only a handful of other guys. One other guy that got second round draft capital that is going to have immediate opportunity. But when you start talking about next year, that's when you get into these guys like, you know, potentially Rashad White or Brian Robinson or Zamir White, um, you know, that right that this year figure to be first round handcuffs and then it's or figure to be handcuffs. And then next year, you know, may have some of that path cleared out for them looking at, you know, looking down the line. That's a good. Well, it's not the transition I wanted to make yet. We'll get into that in a minute. But, you Sorry. know, it, it's okay. If you're looking at, you know, potential second-year production, then, you know, I still got to rely on what I saw as far as talent goes, explosiveness goes, um, and the fact that you are playing roulette a little bit when you start looking at second-year production because you don't necessarily know what that team is going to do or how they're going to value a player. Um, you know, I'm still got to lean... Walker from a talent perspective, from a volume perspective, and the fact that he should see some work this year. And then the other guys that I would put ahead of him potentially um, aren't guaranteed work this year. And you don't know how things are going to go, you know, next season. Is the team going to value them and say, all right, here's the keys. You're the guy. We'll bring in some other pieces around you. Or is it going to be a situation like, you know, for example, Keyshawn Vaughn, who we thought was going to have a path cleared for him this year. And then it's not there true. because they resigned because they resigned Fournette, and, you know, they go out and draft uh Rashad white, who I'm sure is one of the guys you moved ahead. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, um, he's still the RB two, like, you know, positional scarcity. He, that's just why I would take Burks and London over him. Oh, I just sorry. trust you meant one Oh two overall. Yes. Yes. Oh, he's the RB two no. in this class. RB, I thought you meant RB two. Um, nope, no, you're, you're good. No, um, I think that there's more room for debate as far as the overall number two. Absolutely, and I see why people want him. Are you know want him so 102? You know, position scarcity. You know, everyone always wants to run him back, and he's also he's just 21 years old. Like he still has room to grow as well. It's not like I love Rashad White, and we talked about this hopper. He's he's 23. He'll be 24 by the end of next of the season, and yeah. Tom Brady may be gone. Like and that offense looks worse than yes. Seattle. <laughs> well, <laughs> so there, there's still question marks even beyond this season for a lot of these guys that we like. And I ad- agree, particularly with London, um, on you know, particularly just with having a wide receiver there in general. Because if I'm a rebuilding team, wide receivers have a longer shelf shelf life. Yeah, they yep. have more longevity. Um, you're gonna get more out of them at a running back. If you're a rebuilding team that drafts them, and you're in a two year rebuild, three year rebuild. You know, either you're hoping to for them to hit enough for you to flip them and then replace them with as your other team members come along. Um, you know, I, I'm just, I can certainly see the argument to punt that position scarcity and get somebody that's going to be a longer term piece, especially with some of the deals we've seen go down for uh, guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in Dynasty the last couple of years. And teams just throwing the ball a little bit more. And, and I think teams are, are becoming a little more in tune to the positional value of running backs as a whole, which is why it's harder and harder to find 
running backs that go in the first round. Because let's be real, right? Uh, Ten years ago, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker are are locked in first round picks. Oh yeah, yeah. And now they're barely second. Now teams are trading up to get them at the top of the second, or maybe they fall a little bit. Well, the other thing is, is from a fantasy perspective, the bell cow back is becoming the elite tight end, where it's the exception <laughs> rather so than true. the norm. And having a bell cow back might, you know put you with the three or four other teams in the league that have that type of back as their RB one, but the other eight teams in your league are doing what you're doing and they're juggling those, you know, tier three guys with your, you know, your running back by committee guesses essentially. And I'm not being it. So the bell cow back is in a lot of ways, the elite tight end of your league. Now they're there. You want him when you see him. That's why we all want Brees Hall. So everybody wanted pits. Yeah. I think the next, I think the biggest talking point is who's, who's the RB three for you guys right now. Who that gets tough. It's yeah. That, that, it's yeah. clumped up, right? It's gotta be clumped up. It does get clumped up. And I look at guys that where I wanted to go next, not just RB three was who's, who are guys that can have a, you know, an immediate impact. And the guys that I look at, as I look at this list that could have an immediate impact or, or James Cook in Buffalo could have your one productivity. Um, you know, you look at uh, Tyrion Davis Price, who lands in San Francisco and seems to be a San Francisco back where, you know, a lot of people weren't super high on him. And then they gave him third round draft capital. Um, and then Damian. He'll start at some point. Yeah. And then Damian Pierce with the Texans and then Tyler Beatty with the Ravens are the other guys to look at. And I'm saying, all right, they could have value this year and Beatty is not like the others he was a sixth round pick but I loved his profile I loved his draft profile and he landed into a backfield that is very much a committee crapshoot going into the season you can still believe in in you know JK Dobbins or that Gus Edwards has has more left in the tank or whatever but Dobbins hasn't seen the field hardly in two years um and we know how much Baltimore runs so those are the guys that I look at as having immediate value as far as who the three is, if I had to put a name on it instead of a tier, it very well might be James Cook landing in Buffalo. And that's a complete tier jump for me, given the second oh, yeah, round, yeah. given the second round draft capital um, and the opportunity he finds himself in with two backs that have traditionally been lackluster, even though Singletary started to put it together. Mine's still Rashad White. Yeah. It's, it's like, for me, is it's that, yes, there's risk in White, there's also risk in Cook, who is ne- who's who's never asked or, or have been called upon to be that that bell call or or, or that every down back. So give yeah. me the running back who's done it, who has the size, who has the athleticism, and he's literally one injury away. And Fournette's I don't think Fournette's played a full sixteen or seventeen season in his career. And we know Brady's love of using Rashad White. I- I'm going to take that risk because. After Walker, after Hall, it is just uh, pick your poison. And I do have them in the same tier as far as they white, absolutely should be. I agree. Could go and then uh, kind of a baby step down below that is where I have Pierce and uh, well Tyler Algiers, another guy that actually could have immediate round one. <laughs> it's insane. Value yeah. and Tyler Mike Bates. Davis lot, gets yeah. cut. Yeah, like that. That was the name I was going to bring up with Tyler Algiers. Like you know, he was a fifth round pick. And it's like, you know, how, how can you not say he's the number three back? Like, you look at the backs that were drafted, you can almost say there's seven or eight backs that could be RB3 right now. Yeah. And no one's going to say you're right or wrong. 
because it's no. like, oh yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah. Because Cook and Buffalo, Dan, you just mentioned some of the red flags there. He's never had a full season, so he could still be splitting. But at the same time, nobody has a stranglehold on that backfield. Cook was was explosive, oh, right. especially as a pass catcher. And you don't really need him to be explosive as a runner with Josh Allen. You can use him in RPO-type situations. Um, you know, you mentioned Rashad White being an injury away. We'll get to some of those premium here to, to your handcuffs next. Um, you know... Then you look at, well, Ryan, you just mentioned um, Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier. Yeah, who's a guy that I kind of had up in that. Um, Yeah, I had him up in kind of the tier, in the third tier going in pre-draft. Who's a fifth-round pick. He lands in Atlanta where nobody has a stranglehold on the backfield. Tyler Beatty lands at a running back by committee. Um, where nobody has a stranglehold on the backfield, you know, traditionally a backfield that struggled to stay healthy. Um, and then who was the, the other one landed in Houston? Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce. Yeah. Is Damian Pierce is right there with Algier where, you know, they they signed Marlon Mack off the Achilles issue, but again, nobody else has a, has a stranglehold. So I see Algier and Pierce kind of sitting, settling into a tier together. Um, like, I'm still adjusting my rankings, but probably right behind where Rashad White is because of the upside and where James Cook is because of his situation is guys that, you know, predominantly work between the tackles that landed in very good um, opportunity situations that could come in and kind of James Conner this thing. Well, speaking of James Conner, too, you got to look at Keontae Ingram. Oh, God, I love that spot for him, man. I love that I love that for him, too. And All right, let's talk handcuffs because we keep going there. So, Keontae Ingram's (laughs) a guy that lands in Arizona behind James Conner who can't stay healthy. Um, You know, had to they had to use him in split backfield work last year. And Ingram is adept as a pass catcher. He can work as a receiver and help take that load off of Connor. And you know that Arizona doesn't want to use Connor as an every down back because when Pittsburgh tried to do it, he couldn't stay healthy. So yeah, there is some immediate work for Keontae Ingram there. He's uh, like the chief Edmonds, like, yeah, like and he should be able to beat out. I would think he, he, he can beat out, you know, Benjamin too, for that. He can't the RB2 yeah. spot. He's, he's bigger. Benjamin. He's bigger than Benjamin. I mean, oh, Benjamin wait, might Benjamin be more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He might be more explosive, but I love Ingram's all you know all purpose skill set. I've been a big fan of him since his days at Texas. It's not his fault he had to transfer. It's not his fault that Bijan Robertson landed in his lap and was yeah. like, "I'm now your daddy." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, we mentioned Rashad White in Tampa being behind Fournette. He's about one injury away. Another guy that lands one injury away is uh, at least the runner is Brian Robinson in, landing in. Washington. He should yeah, definitely beat out Jared Patterson. Yeah. I don't see him like being a huge threat to like uh who's it? Antonio Gibson right now. He's not a threat to Gibson, just like I don't see White standalone being a threat to Fournette. White has a better chance to see the field, you know, because of his pass catching ability. Is White has weak winning upside, just just given I'd like it's hard like I I won't quit Rashad White. I've already taken Rashad White in rookie drafts. I will not stop well, taking Rashad Antonio White. Antonio Gibson hasn't drafts. been able to stay healthy either. And Brian Robinson, yeah. we know, is a good between the tackles runner. Then that's not a role that J.D. McKissick is going to fill. So no. there's also weak winning upside in Brian Robinson. Um, even if he doesn't start, even if you don't see him as a threat to Antonio Gibson, the only, you know, 
Antonio Gibson's health is a threat to Antonio Gibson, even if Brian Robinson <laughs> isn't. So, if I felt more confident about Washington's offense, I think sure. if I felt more confident in that team, and I can see the touchdown upside. I mean, any started running back as RB two upside. I think it's Brian Robinson. If something happens to Gibson, mm-hmm. the worst is is if it becomes a full flat out committee, and then it, it's like Miami from last year, where you know McKissick's getting all the value. Uh, touches Robinson and Gibson are fighting for outside the twenties work, and then you're praying yeah. that you're praying that Gibson gets the goal line work. We need Gibson to stay healthy. You know, just as Hopper said, he can't he can't find himself off the injury report. So it's a good pick from that standpoint. And I think they got him in what the third round, uh, fourth round. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's third. Yeah, it's fine for value, but. I, I need a little more faith in Washington's offense because that touchdown upside is pretty rough. But I I I I have no issue. People want to leave their rookie drafts or want to you know take Robinson in the third round of their you know of their rookie drafts, and I I think people should. So sure. All right, just gonna kind of hit some some other names. We gotta throw in Isaiah Spiller. Matt, I know you don't uh, want to. No, I'm gonna get to Spiller because Spiller okay. is in a different tier to me with uh, guys like Zamir White. Um, you know, both guys were well regarded, both fourth round picks, both land similar spots, white behind Drake and, um, well, white with, you know, the question mark that is Kenyon Drake, but behind Josh Jacobs, who's got what a year left and then Spiller lands on the chargers behind, behind Eckler. But, you know, it's going to, we don't know what's going to happen with Justin Jackson yet. Um, who's been productive in that, but then, you know, you've also had guys like Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree who have shown a little bit. So can Spiller come in and show more than them? He could end up as a cuff. I don't think it's as much of a guarantee as some others. And it's the same thing for white. He could end up as a cuff. I don't think it was, it's as much of a guarantee as, as some other guys. You also have Hassan Haskins coming in behind Derek Henry, potentially in Tennessee. Um, who's another big bruiser type of back that, that I really like if, for some reason, Henry struggles to come back from the foot injury or, you know, in that offense, filling that role, you know, that's kind of the next tier of guys you get to are, in my opinion, the Isaiah Spillers, Zamir Whites, um, Hassan Haskins of the world, um, you know, they are going to cuff and likely aren't worth anything, I would even argue long-term, absent an injury and getting onto the field that way. I mean, I, you know, I agree. I could say, I say that I think the same thing about Tyler Algier because he's a fifth round pick. He can easily be replaced. You know, Damian yeah, but Pierce there's potential. no with Algier. The difference is, is there's not somebody there that has a, you know, that's a proven starter or has a stranglehold on the backfield. Cordero Patterson did it in a pinch and really struggled down the stretch. You well, sure, you don't but have a a Jacobs or an Austin Eckler in front of Tyler Algier. I definitely agree with Zamir White. I definitely don't see like it's Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. There, there is he is a cuff to both of the backs, and both running backs are going to be free agents next year. Same with Austin Eckler; he's a free agent next year, mm-hmm. going to be twenty eight. I'm not advocating the draft spiller in hopes that he's your long term answer. But if we're talking about you know premier handcuffs, top five offense, you know you know he's got an all purpose skill set. He showed that pass catching ability. He's got the size to handle the goal line work. We've seen shitty running backs be productive athletic, when they get the opportunity. Less too. athletic Royce Freeman, and you won't tell me otherwise. 
That's fine. <laughs> you know, Royce Freeman, if he had a shot, he'd never, but you he never did. did. And he but never did anything with it. We also had a Devin Singletary, who who who's also very unathletic and sucks at you know at pass catching. And guess yeah, what? He it, had it's, two it's fantasy relevant weeks until the end of last year, where he showed he could it's, do a little. That's bit. all we need from Spiller. That's why you're draft. I'm not. I'm not saying we're yeah. drafting Spiller at the top of the second round. That's 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 oh, stupid. No. Stupid. So, here's a hot take. Give me either guy New England drafted over Isaiah Spiller. Oh, that's okay. I mean, I, I do like Kevin Harris. I like that Kevin dude, Harris. That dude, and, that dude is a Justin Ross. Beer strong of running back. So. shit and went four picks after Spiller. In New England, who doesn't settle on a back ever? Yeah, he may not get a Harris, shot. And Kevin Harris has like a off like a injury issue too. Like he can't stay oh, healthy. Yeah. Like even his pro days, yeah. he can pull his hammy. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I feel bad for him because he's a he's a good run, like he was a high recruit too coming out of high school. Like yeah. I like Kevin Harris. And um, you will not change my mind. I but, like Pierre yeah. Strong. I think the dude's a weapon if you can figure out yeah. how to get him on the field and make him a weapon. Now the problem is, is that they're both blocked. In whatever role you look at it from, I think Damon Harris but, is probably gone next year. Like they're drafting the replacements to the starters they have now, and they just drafted Ramaj well, uh, Stevenson right, last year. But that's what Harris feels like as a Stevenson. <laughs> that's that's, that's so funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm still not giving my love for Zamir White, man. I, that's fair. I, I like this spot. I, I still, like. I still think, yeah, this year he sucks. Like he's definitely a handcuff. He's just year, one injury away. I don't think he's. I mean, exactly. he may not be productive, but. It's yeah. the same thing. Like it's I know I'm not going to leave my drafts with Spiller, even though I'm going to bat for him, because I'm still not going to draft him worse. above Rashad White or Damian Pierce or James Cook. Zamir White I mean, is I'm... worse. Sony Michelle. Yeah. What's that? So Zamir White is worse. Sony Michelle. Oh, I'm not going oh. <laughs> to argue there. I just don't see it. Like the way he ran, the way he could go through that line, the way he could cut. It's what caught my eye on him, and I became like he was like I, I was drafting him the first round in my mock draft. Yeah, people were drafting Sony Michelle in the first round of their drafts too. You know, the mock drafts, but these ones now, yeah, he's not going in the first. He's more of a second, third round. People are he's going. He's going where they should be, right? People are yeah, that's, Sony Michelle that's where we're going for Chubb. upside picks. Let's let's not forget that. What's that? Said people are arguing Sony Michelle or Nick Chubb. Let's not forget that. At least Sony right. Michelle actually also gave some off weirdly, you know, productive weeks. Sure, Zamir White can probably do that too if given the opportunity. Yeah. But yeah. anybody can if given volume, right? Didn't we just have that discussion? That's the whole argument for these guys. Do I expect yeah. any of these guys to be long term answers? Fuck no. no but but I, I do want the guys that are at least in good expect- offenses at least have some touch on upside if an injury breaks their way. No running back is a long term answer. What's like what you're hoping for outside of Hall and Walker is that you catch? Well, I'm saying like one, one, you know, more than one year. It's really what I mean by it. Right. Well, that's profile wise. I like Beatty to kind of be your James Robinson. And oh, other, I mean, other than that, I like Ingram. Um, those guys we just spent a lot of time debating though. And I mean, you might catch. See, to me, you might catch. Um, Oh shit! Why can't I think of his name now? Dolphins team. back. Miles Gaskin. So, yeah, Miles Gaskin in a bottle for one year. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it can be said for a lot. Of, I mean, it should. It may happen to Kenneth Walker. <laughs> like it may. Like there's. I mean, I don't think it will. But I don't think it will either. Yeah, it, it's one of those scenes where it's like it just speaks to how bad the running back class is that we're arguing over. 
you know, premier handcuffs, which we know is you're, you're just row. looking for one injury and for them to take off. Like, I, I hope Beatty has a shot. Yeah. It's well. the worst landing spot. He, like, he landed in the horrible scheme fit. Like, he's a great, he's such a great all purpose back and he lands with, with the quarterback that won't throw to him, that, that just doesn't use their running backs that way. And well, you just have to hope that true. he can, he can JK Dobbins himself into something. JK Dobbins himself. And and the, you know, no, I don't want him JK Dobbins himself. I want well, him not to, get hurt, I but I mean, Dobbins was also productive his rookie year. That's what we want from him. I want That's him what I mean by that. Actually, see the field. <laughs> I mean, Dobbins saw the field his rookie year. And people will see the field Pacheco. this year. What's that, Ren? Isaiah Pacheco for Kansas City. It's like, oh my God, you know, he's going to be the next, you know, Clyde, behind Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's only one injury away. He's your like, Darwin Thompson. That's what yeah. I was going <laughs> to say. You mean he's Darwin Thompson? He's going to agree on something. He's about the same size, too. He is. He's small. I, I thought he was small, too. Because you're like, oh my God, here's our chance. I'm like, it's Isaiah Pacheco, man. He ain't going to do anything. I think no one's gonna be falling for Darwin Thompson 2.0. Oh, people are already no. for fall, falling for Darwin. Are they really? 2.0. Oh yeah, look at oh, let me pull it's up like his profile. Over. I don't remember his profile. Uh, there's a reason for that. That's yeah, probably you're probably right. Rutgers running back. There it is. Rutgers. Yeah. Oh, Bo Melton. Where did he land? I know. I know. We'll get to him later. Maybe Seattle. That's right. Opportunity. You knew Tyler Lockett with. Their quarterback of the future next year. Yeah. All right, we've beaten running backs to death. Let's do a beer review, and I got a beer. okay. Beer review. And so I can use the restroom while Dan gives his beer review. I'm going to go ahead and start. Um, I had all beer from Stubborn German Brewing Company out of Waterloo, Illinois. This is one of my my favorite beers. It's definitely not the first time I've had it at all, or the second, or the third, or the 20th. I've had it way more than that. Um, so one of the things that always impresses me about Chris's beers, first and foremost, is when they're supposed to be clear, they're really freaking clear. Um, Nose-wise, kind of a light, classic German maltiness, so it's not all caramel. You get some like toastiness and breadiness to it, but it definitely does have a sweet backbone. You get the same thing on the mouth. It's bitter, uh, and it kind of carries some of that bitterness all the way through. Um, but then behind that, you definitely get some some toasty, bready notes with a bit of caramel behind it. And you can also tell um, that you know, some of the minerality of the water profile, it's not off. Dusseldorf has a very specific water profile. You can adjust a little bit for things like that. Um, and... Overall, the water profile in this beer carries it nicely. Uh, the balance is there. It's incredible. So, again, strongly encourage if any of you are passing through St. Louis to stop in and check them out. Dan, over to you. Uh, fantastic beer, the all beers. Had it during the draft. Wanted to keep drinking it. Left my four-pack there because... I know. This is the last one I of your four-pack that I'm drinking. Yes. All right. Again, no shocker. Drinking distill. Uh, newly released... Uh, package for the first time today as of nine hours ago um they're they're west coast ipa so as you can tell based on color you know clean uh chris you can almost see through it all unlike your hazies where everything's super dry out and unfiltered um i miss i i, I just truly really miss a good clean west coast 
I love Hazy's, you know, as much as the next guy, but I'm I'm sick and tired of them. Um, so I'm super pumped to get this out in the market and to be selling it to people. Uh, it's you know, it's our version of antihero, and you can't go around with it. So, Ryan, you want to give your uh, your old nation M43 thoughts? M43, old nation. Yeah, it's a nice new New England new New England style IPA. Little thick, has a little sediment on the bottom, and that always like freaks people out because they're like. They'll see me Just like don't drink it. What? I'll pull the can. I'll, I'll roll it, and they're like, you "What are you doing?" Yeah. I'm like, "I'm like rolling the sediment out." They're like, "What sediment?" I'm like, "There's sediment at the bottom of this." Like, that's so gross. How do you drink that? So, yeah, it's a nice. It's a little thick of a beer. You drink a couple of these, you're feeling pretty good after a while, pretty full. But it's it's good too because it's like if you're not into like uh, IPAs, even IPA fans, like non IPA fans, will even like it. So. Because it has like like a nice like uh, tropical fruit type taste to it too, so yeah, one of my favorite beers. And plus, you know, something I always get all the time. I do love myself Old Nation. Boss Sweet's one of my all time favorite beers. So do I, like I, I do enjoy it. Like M forty three now they have like strawberry, which I haven't tried yet. Really? Yeah, oh yeah, man, the strawberry is freaking delicious. Yeah, good. Yeah. I get it. I get it out here when they you know when it gets released every now and then. I always like, get hesitant. I'm like, I don't know if I can do strawberry. It's so beer. good. It's it it's good. All right, I mean, yeah. All right. We're going to go ahead and hit wide receivers. I'm going to do this a little differently. I'm kind of going to rapid fire through these guys. So talk about the opportunity. Talk about where they're at, um, where you draft him. We'll just round table it, try to be quick. Start with Drake London. Drake London lands in Atlanta. Uh, he is the eighth overall pick. Um, so quarterback wise, he'll have Mariota right out of the gate. I'm not talking. There we go. I was, but it was probably really quiet. It was quiet. Yeah, okay. it wasn't too bad though. Okay. Anyway, uh, for the fact that I forgot to turn my mic on, uh, we're gonna go kind of rapid fire through these guys. We'll round table them as we go. Just kind of hit them as we we work through what we think about each guy, their landing spot, kind of go over their situation real quick because this is where the majority of the draft capital landed. This is where the majority of your rookie picks will be spent. So let's start with Drake London. Ryan, I'll rely on you for current ADP. Drake London lands in Atlanta um, with Marcus Mariota for the, at least the foreseeable future. Ritter is sitting behind him, uh, and the only real target competition he has comes from Kyle Pitts. Um, is Auden Tate and Olamide Zacchaeus, Demir Bird, Chad Hansen, on and on with depth guys and journeymen doesn't really pose a threat to, to his immediate value. To me, the guy's a true alpha. Uh, he is my wide receiver one. Uh, see, it's like, it's so hard to like pick wide receiver one because he was the first one drafted. And it's like looking at the draft capital, yeah. And what they have at quarterback is what kind of makes it hard for me to kind of say, Yes, to have him as one on one because of like you don't know what's going to happen with Ritter. You don't know how Mario is going to get the ball to him. That whole offensive line is still kind of building itself as it's going along. So for Drake London, I'd probably put him as wide receiver four hmm. right now. And as of right now in drafts, he's going as the fifth pick in a one QB league. Uh, wide receiver two, three, 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 uh, three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dan. 
I he's it's it's him and Burks one A one B. I I I it, you can't go around both London stepping into a twenty percent plus target share zero competition. He may not be as high end productive this year, but Atlanta worst roster in the NFL top three to five pick. Very very stacked twenty three QB class. Expect that to completely change. Um, you know they have their outside alpha of the future. Perfect complement to him and Pitts. Or just you're you're gonna have Pitts work the team. You can work outside with London. It's it's hard to not like London's out the gate opportunity compared to the other receivers in this class outside of Traylon Burks. It's he's almost guaranteed a hundred targets. It's that nuts. They're gonna be behind. The old line sucks. You just got to hope that they can be creative with the play calling and not just have him be a boundary guy. They can, you know, do more with him. So it's, I, I it's, I, it's, it's him and Burks 1A, 1B. I don't care. Flip a coin. That's where I'm at. And they're in a tier of their own. All right. Garrett Wilson, second overall pick round one, pick 10 lands with the New York jets. Um, this was my pre-draft wide receiver two. Uh, he was in the same tier as as London with me, um, so he lands uh, really with Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. So a little bit more target volume on a team that also did some things to address the defense and needs their quarterback to take the next step. Uh, but I think for a lot of people, was the pre draft one of the most rounded guy coming into this draft? Um, to me, uh, Garrett Wilson does. I don't think he slides down it tier but i have a little bit more pause about him than i did initially i think from a prospect standpoint he was he was very good but i do have have london over him and again it's just because of you know the lack of of target competition right now and while you have questions about what land is going to do for the future you have to have to question if zach wilson's just going to continue the slow progression towards average or if he is going to take a true next step also elijah moore <laughs> I think for me, I mean, I, I, I debate. He's, he's my three or four. And I know, you know, when we talk, this guy more, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a hot take that he's in the top five. And I go and I flip back and forth because the main debate is, you know, Garrett Wilson has top 10 draft capital. The Jets spent the entire offseason pounding the table for a receiver. And while I do believe they would have taken London over him if they had the opportunity, Wilson was their number two. He was their choice. And while, you know, s- similar style and role of receiver to Elijah Moore. Um, that offense is still set up. If it's not Wilson, it's going to be somebody else because everything's in place. Uh, my only concern is going to be w- what's the target competition going to look like? And, and, and are we going to see what type of production are we going to see from him to start off his career? He could be somebody that we pound the table to trade for because he got off to a slow start. I, I I'm going to trust my pre-draft evaluation of him. I'm going to trust how I felt about him prior to it, and keep him probably in that three to four spot. You know, three A three B with Sky Moore for me because I so really 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 like uh, Garrett Wilson. I just I pause on the Jets. That's my biggest really concern. Yeah, I see that too. Like where it's kind of hard to like pause, but you kind of look at it too as like. If they're working together with Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore, Chris or Garrett Wilson, or yeah, Garrett Wilson is more of a compliment player to Elijah Moore to kind of offset the skill set. So it's not like it's two good wide receivers competing against each other. It's two good receivers who are 
have that initial role on that team that are going to complement each other at the same time. In my in my view, so actually, I like him as like my wide receiver one. Between those two, but how does he fit with Corey Davis in that offense? I think Corey Davis will be on the outside. He'll put Elijah Moore in the middle. So it'll be Wilson. And I think they're going to intertwine. I, you, you know, so? I th- yeah, I think I think both Wilson and Moore because they're both really. I mean, they're both undersized, but they're they're both they both have insanely good releases. They can you know mm-hmm. they can work. I don't know if they're going to worry about press, and that's why they have Corey Davis. They're going to play off the line, or they're going to play in the slot. They're probably universal. Probably smarter them to move them around. You know, the formation and try to manufacture some of those touches while also hoping that Zach Wilson can continue his progression. It's target competition. The fact that Wilson was 27th in uh, passing attempts per game last year, the Jets were, I think 11th in total. So there's clearly room to grow, but as Hopper alluded to improved defense. You trade up for Brees Hall. It means you're showing some sort of wanting to be a balanced attack when you can. So if this Jets team does improved, you're going to probably see them run more than you want to, especially if they have the lead or if they're in that, the, you know, in that neutral game script. So I'm interested to see all the offense fully gels together with each other. And, and, and the hope is that Zach Wilson can take this step forward and, and hopefully unlock some of these guys. Sorry, I finished your thought. I was, you know, I, my bad. No, and no, that's totally good. It's totally good. Like I understand. I see where you guys are coming from, but it's like, Corey Davis is one wide receiver, though, that can never always stay healthy. So it's like, you know, if he goes down, you have Garrett Wilson stepping right up. And then they, they have the nice one-two combo, plus all the tight ends they have, plus the offensive line they've rebuilt. Like, it's it's pretty much setting up the pass game to succeed. Or at least that's what the Jets are looking like as a pass game to succeed, along with the run game. The run's going to set up that pass. It's just a matter of can Zach Wilson progress enough to support you know, multiple hundred target wide receivers. Yeah, that's the truth. That's going to be the true test. This is the true Zach Wilson test right now. Yeah. Going into the season. Similarly, a uh, polarizing spot is Chris Olave. Um, another guy that was consensus top three tested similar to Wilson, but very different player. Uh, Olave more of a, well, almost more of a Michael Thomas type as far as route running and everything goes. Um, in working the middle of the field. So he goes to the same team as Michael Thomas, so he'll be with Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith uh, with a returning Jameis Winston uh, throwing footballs and, you know, no real eye towards the future there as well. So um, kind of a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. You take what you, the question marks you have with Wilson about an offense being able to take the next step and target competition from at least one other guy. And combine it with London's concerns, which are what's that offense look like in the future? And you kind of get all the concerns that surround Chris Olave. And to me, um, he's going to slide down probably to wide receiver five ish for me. All right, you can go ahead and start with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, sliding down, I could definitely see that for sure. Because, like, we don't know what that offense is going to be, like, with Jameis Winston. Like, is it going to be, are they going to let him sling it? Or is it going to be so like run centric and just kind of, you know, hand the ball off, mm-hmm. do short passes, like basically what he was doing last year. So it's kind of like a question mark pick. It's like, is it a good win for Jameis Winston? Is it a good position for Chris Olave to succeed now? You know, basically like, what are the Saints doing? Because they traded two of their picks, or they traded their picks with uh, Philadelphia to get an additional first round pick. 
So like, you almost have to wonder, like, are they trying to build with the offense to make it succeed? But if you look at their draft, they built offense first and then they went defense all after that. So it's like, they're almost trying to set up Winston to succeed with Olave. And plus, is there even a true guarantee that Michael Thomas is coming back? You know, if Michael Thomas and Chris Olave are the same exact player, mirror image, you know, in a way, what's that say tell us about Michael Thomas in a way? I don't got think, twenty uh, pounds on Olave, so yeah, <laughs> like he's significantly he, he's bigger than Olave. More, yeah, more hit resistant over the middle, and I think he keeps Olave <laughs> outside. But I, I agree with the sentiment to what you're saying, though, which is, and I think the Saints know it too that Michael Thomas, before this year, was on shaky ground, and now he might come back and play a year. But you know, the, if this rebuild on the fly thing doesn't work out, then you know Dennis Allen's a sacrificial lamb out of a job. I think what you see right now is what we talked about in the offseason with the Saints, which is one last attempt at sacrifice, at uh, corralling some form of offense while that defense is still good before you know they lose that window and then you're in full rebuild. I think this is kind of a last gasp at trying to be able to do that. Yeah, that's it's, why like, with the loss of Trevor Penning, they went with uh, was it Trevor, um, the offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. Yeah, Trevor Penning. They Trevor lost Penning. Armstrong or Armstead, Armstead to Miami. They Armstead, yeah. And they and they drafted Penny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they're trying to like it's like they're trying to keep like that Drew Brees era alive in a way, it seems like, if you look at it that way. They are. You know, where they have the quarterback. It's so it's like, you know, it's trying to keep kicking the can like one more year. Yeah. My so my my one biggest turn real quick before we move on. A, a no Sean Payton there. This offense hasn't. We have no clue what this offense is going to look like. First time they haven't had Sean Payton there since what the early early two thousands, and this could be one of the worst offices in the league as well. Especially if they lose Michael Thomas, and you have to rely on on Chris Olave, who is built to be a two. He is a a through and through wide receiver two. Yeah. Um, volume could be great for him in year one if Thomas leaves. I just I have no faith in the Saints. They have no first round pick next year. They're gonna they're a bad fucking franchise. And that's going to hurt the overall ceiling of Olave. And you're just hoping he can have some of that floor. It's just, he, he moved on. He's my six or seven. I am not really sure yeah. where, but it, it, it's, I, I, I feel bad for the guy. It's just the Saints is probably one of the worst signing spots you can have landed in. Olave is kind of the anti Garrett Wilson, whereas Wilson and the next guy we're about to talk about might start slow and progress as it goes on. Olave might start fast and then fall off. If we look at other guys' buys after this season, Olave is a guy we could be talking about. Trade him. So, Jamison Williams, next guy off the board of the Detroit Lions. You suddenly have a somewhat crowded wide receiver room uh, with the signing of DJ Chark. You put Williams there next to Amon Ross St. Brown uh, with, you know, semi-productive Josh Reynolds, Quintez Cephas. I don't think they're going to threaten for starters reps against those other three. Um but you know, also similarly, you have T.J. Hawk T.J. Hawkinson there, um, and you know Jared Goff, and it. You know, we know Goff can support multiple wide receivers. We saw him do it. Um, Ryan, you're the Lions fan. Go ahead on this Williams pick. Oh my God, I was so nervous at it on draft night when they moved up. When they traded up, I'm like, please do not be Malik Willis. Please do not be Malik Willis. And when they pulled the trigger on J- Jamison Winston, I was so freaking excited. Aww. They- I was. I was like, "Oh my god, that line!" I just laughed smart. really loud. <laughs> Did you? I why? I'm I sorry. I've talked about this enough. You don't. I don't need to rehash my my thoughts on the move. He up. laughed because he didn't believe anybody should trade up for a wide receiver. That was it. Not, not in this class. Of the pick, just because it was a trade up. Yeah, 
yeah, not his class. So you don't think it was a spite pick to you know Aaron Rodgers because he wanted Jamison Williams? I mean, it's it, it's it, it's a good pick. I, oh, it, yeah. He's a fine receiver. It's I, I don't see the reason to give up more capital. I, I, I don't agree with Vikings fans that are super pissed about it because, oh my God, you traded with the division rivals. Like, who fucking cares? Like, they're going to take him. They're going to find a trade partner for them anyways. Might as well recruit some of the value that we got. And so, yeah, but, but and like wax on Williams a, for a bit because yeah, he's got to be number Cali. one receiver. So, oh, yeah. And uh, he is my number one wide receiver right now. Going to, for dynasty purposes, not for redraft purposes, like for dynasty purposes on this because. You say it's a crowded uh, wide receiver room, and it's, but it's really not. So you have Amon Ross St. Brown. Different type. You have DJ Shark. Huh? Different type of receiver, St. Brown. Yes. You have DJ Shark on a one-year prove-it contract. Yep. You have Josh Reynolds on a two-year, $8 million contract. Not worried. And a whole bunch of other wide receivers that are mediocre. So this kind of gives them like the same thing as like a Drake London to Atlanta. It's like a building piece to build on on the outside because – Outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, you don't have any wide receivers. No, but you have, a ton, you have a t- and that's what I was going to say is Hawkins. St. Brown is the one thing that makes us slightly different than the Atlanta spot and, you know, some of the year one competition. I don't think Cephas, Reynolds, and Chark are necessarily long for this roster long term, but you have Hawk and Williams, so there's some synergy. And then St. Brown, who's kind of, okay, that's the thing that Atlanta doesn't have that I think keeps Williams in tier two instead of tier one with London. And I can see that. But I like having Williams there too because it's just like Different DJ type. Shark being on the one on the one year deal. Mm-hmm. If you don't resign him next year, you have Williams and I'm on Ross A. Brown on both sides of the field, Hawkinson in the middle. That wide that whole offense will open up even more. Well, and to me, St. Brown needs to play out of the slot with the yeah. running ability, the lack of pure athleticism, but the grittiness that he plays with. He needs to play out of the slot and cover the middle with Hawkinson. And you get somebody like a DJ Chark or somebody else that can play outside. Williams is more than just a deep threat, though. Um, I think they will be able to slow rolling back um, a little bit coming off the injury if they need to. But he's explosive. He should be the the wide receiver one on this team long term. St. Brown, you know, we knew even last year and after the explosion last year that he was still probably capped with wide receiver two type upside, that two, three type range where he's going to have solid floor, not a ton of ceiling. Um, so, you know, Jamison Williams is, is right there kind of with Garrett Wilson for me is, you know, these are future ones on their, on their team. And it's not a matter of if, or, but it's when, you know, St. Brown's a nice compliment in the same way that Elijah Moore's a no- nice compliment. DJ Chark's a, a short term piece that's had some success a lot like Corey Davis is. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of synergies to me between Will- Williams and Wilson, uh, and, and how they're going to line up. They're my tier two guys. I like Williams, obviously. Um, my biggest uh, fear for him is is the speedy outside receiver trope. Um, he'll get typecast into that He's role. Than that, and 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 that's again that's just building theory on it. It's it, it's it it happens almost every time we see this. It's shades of Henry Ruggs. Williams and Ruggs are both fine options. Ruggs got typecast. I don't know if Williams will. But history of the NFL tells us that there's a there there's a chance that we could get to that point with them. Um, we're um, outside of that. It, it's it's the offense too, right? I know that you're the Lions fan. From what I see, it's and from what I hear is they want to be balanced and run focused. You know, Dan Campbell, old school gritty, want to run the football. You have 
you know, Jared Goff, who can work deep when he has everything right in place and with the right scheme in place, his his most productive downfield years were all with Sean McVay. Um, with with good elite receiving options that definitely Williams could become in that mindset. But yeah, volume concerns. I don't think Williams projects as a one. He's six one one eighty. He's you know twenty pounds lighter than Chase, which I've seen too many comps for. Mm-hmm. He's he's not Jamar Chase. I like oh, no. I like Williams, but he's he's not Jamar Chase. Um, he could get off to a slow start. I think as Hopper mentioned earlier. He's going to be missing, I think, some of the important rookie training camps. I, he should be ready by week one, maybe. Um, but we've seen how notoriously slow starts can ruin or how falling behind in your rookie year could ruin, especially for the wide receiver position where, where the transition is such a hard move from college to the pros. Um, I still like him. He's still, I, have him, I have him behind Sky Moore, but he's my five. They're in that same tier. Williams is not a target share guy. He's a deep threat guy. Then maybe you can hopefully turn into more of 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 more of that true uses. Like because the way he like the way he played it, like he wasn't exactly always a deep threat when he played at Alabama. He do he do yeah. slants, he do post routes. You know, he'd cut That's... across the field. He, so like so did Henry Ruggs. And he so, and Henry Ruggs Williams was but, perceived and, to run a sub four three forty. That's where say, my and you can't say that Ruggs was typecast though either because Ruggs was being used more ways and then it killed someone. So I mean, yeah. you didn't no, have a chance. This to is see obviously Ruggs before true, true. But it's full rookie year was, and that's all I'm saying. You're right. He could have trans, like he could have been something more. Maybe the Raiders would have. Okay. You know, thought differently. So at some I'm going to throw but... a wrench into that. Let's go with another Alabama wide receiver, though, that was perceived to be a deep threat and then was used near the line of scrimmage all freaking season. And Jalen Waddle. I hope that Jamison Williams can become Jalen Waddle. Yeah. I hope that they use him in that. I hope way. he doesn't become Jalen Waddle. I hope he comes with a hybrid between himself and Jalen Waddle. Because <laughs> he's talented enough for that. Uh, and Jaylen I can't Waddle wait for them to move on from scrimmage the whole season. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And I think Detroit's going to be. Actually, like I, I called Detroit my dark horse wildcard team this year. Detroit fans, I, they think they're going to be horrible I for whatever reason. But man, that team plays for Dan Campbell. That team was a lot better than their record last year. They think and they're going to be horrible mightily. because they're almost always horrible. So they have no expectations. <laughs> Thank God they have two first round picks. Is they'll probably move off for a quarterback All next right. year. Got to keep it moving here. Yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of wide receivers. Uh, Jahan Dotson lands with the Commanders. Uh, he'll play second fiddle to Terry McLaurin uh, and not much else in that passing game. But Carson Wentz didn't do a lot to support a passing game his last couple seasons either. No, uh, to I hate me, it. This is a hit <laughs> on Dotson over where he was being mocked because he's being mocked to Green Bay. And then he gets selected by the Commanders who don't have a long-term answer at quarterback. This throws some water on that for me. Um, you know, Second to McLaurin. He could end up being better than McLaurin um, just based on the prospect pedigree, but McLaurin has done nothing to produce. He might be gone next year. He's a free agent after this season. Which could make Dotson number one, but then with who? So Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I mean, the commanders are a lot like Seattle with this ass backwardness and and, uh, very, very questionable decisions throughout their drafts, so I'm there with you. I, 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 it kind of like he kind of feels like, in a way, he's the Kadarius Tony, where people just don't like the spot so much that Dots starting to fall out of the first round in these drafts. 
and and he ends up becoming because of where his draft capital was it's like a guy like you know he's going to be on the field week one so there's going to be opportunity there we we hate the landing spot we hate the quarterbacks he's going to be playing with but you know he'll probably luck into some productive weeks he's a Curtis Samuel on offense that already has Curtis Samuel <laughs> you know <laughs> well they're also different players too entirely you know, Samuel players. yeah and Dotson was a Debbie Darling that, you know, just never, like, I thought he would declare last year, and he, but and he, he did but it, and now he's... He's a Debbie Darling that produced, and, he, you know, that's that's kind of the thing with Dotson versus the other Debbie Darlings in this class, is he produced, and his combine was decent. So, you know, he's a Debbie Darling that checked boxes, and I think the only box looking back that he doesn't check is the landing spot. He got yeah. first-round draft capital. He produced at the college level. He checked every box in my gate one checks, and... You know, he performed at the combine, and the only thing you have badly right now that's bad right now is a landing spot and no future at, at quarterback. He could end up being the steal of the draft, especially if people fade him too hard. But I understand why, especially when you get to guys like, you know, Burt, who's coming up, or guys like Christian Watson, who's coming up. But there's definitely some value to be had in the second round, which is why I like this class. And if you fade Dotson to the second round, then I'm actually on board because. You Absolutely. mentioned Terry McLaurin potentially mm-hmm. being out. Um, I mentioned Dotson being an overall better prospect than McLaurin was coming in. You know, he could be a future wide receiver one, and he could be another guy that you're t- that we're you know pounding the table to potentially buy low on after year one, especially if Washington finds themselves in a position to take one of the top quarterbacks next year. His best player comparable, Tyler Lockett. There you go. Lockett was another. Th- I think he was like a, he showed flashes, but he didn't really break out until Doug Baldwin left. So, yep. Unfortunately, Dotson doesn't have Russell Wilson thrown on the football. Yeah, <laughs> also sucks for him. Yet, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yet, when he goes to Denver. All right, Traylon Burks, next guy up. Dan, go ahead, wax poetic about Traylon Burks, then I'll do my best to throw some water on it. We'll get Ryan's take and move on. Yeah, uh, he he should land into the highest target volume. In year one, you know, they move A.J. Brown, which is his, his ceiling comp. And then immediately with that draft pick, they take Traylon Burks. No Robert was. He's to start the year on the pup list at 30 years old, trying to recover from an ACL tear. Absolutely zero target competition. I don't think anyone's really afraid of Austin Hooper or Derrick Henry catching passes enough to take away from Burks. Um, might have the best quarterback situation outside of Watson and and Moore. With Ryan Tannehill, who who just you know just a couple of years ago showing a, a lot of flash, was okay in spurts last year, but but definitely regress. It's volume for him, and if it, no one's saying that he's going to hit his comp of AJ Brown, but it, it, it's it it definitely shows a lot of respect to him. That immediately with the pick that that Tennessee got in return, they used to draft to you know, the draft their replacements, kind of like a digs. In, in, a, in a Jefferson situation, likely not going to have the same results, but it feels good, especially with some of these other landing spots for these wide receivers to where you see an absolutely clear path opportunity year one. Yeah, and you know, it's year one versus versus long term. I like Burke's year one. I agree. He could, if he's not, I, I won't say have the highest target volume because I think Drake London, given how bad that team is going to be, probably has the highest target volume. I think Burks probably is a lock for 100 targets, though. Um, and I can't say that about anybody else ahead of him other than London. Um, 
low-volume offense kind of being the difference there. Tennessee still has Derrick Henry. They're still going to run. Defense is still decent. They should, st- And they play in a bad division, so they should still be, you know, near a, a low-volume offense. Um, and Woods isn't going to be out the whole season. So, but I think Burks is locked for 100 targets. I see more Debo Samuel than A.J. Brown. I don't see the raw athlete that A.J. Brown is, but, you know, I do see the explosiveness, the creative ways that you can use him. Um, you know, but I also see looking beyond your one with Tennessee, a team that very, very much could be close to a full rebuild with an aging Derrick Henry coming off of a foot injury with, you know, Tannehill's future uncertain. You bring in Robert Woods, who's the wrong side at 30. They're only going to be able to ride these older guys for so long. Um, and, you know, you look at Burks year two, year three, you know, it's a window that could be closing, and that's a guy we could be looking at moving on. You just hope that that window lines up with his, you know, his rookie deal somehow, um, that you, or that you can move him before that happens. Um, that keeps him kind of from being topped here for me is the long term outlook and just, the long-term volume on this offense. I don't think the ceiling with Tennessee is quite as high based on how I draw it up. Um, he's also got to develop a bit on his own is a true like receiver, but the ways they'll use him, the ways they'll scheme for him, the way they'll find ways to get him yak. Um, it doesn't matter if you call it AJ Brown or Debo Samuel, those are the two best yak receivers in the league and he lines right up with them. And that's why, I mean, it's hard because I mean, we're drawing parallels to, to the same conversation we had about Brown when he went to Tennessee. Yep. This was, you know, this is pre Tannehill. This is obviously before the breakout truly happened. You know, it happened that year, like mid season. It, it, it's, I don't see it much different than London. I mean, we, we, we expect Atlanta to throw more. Hopefully I, I, I expect the efficiency to be better from Tannehill's uh, standpoint. And if he fits into more of that yak role, he doesn't need to be used along the boundaries where there's wasted targets potentially. That's why I love both though. Like one A, one B, because they're both they're both locked for hundred targets. They're both locked for uh, twenty two or twenty uh, percent plus target share. So give me both. Fine, wax ahead. I'm going to run to the bathroom. I agree with that hundred percent. That he will easily be a wide receiver. He'll be getting over hundred targets because who else is there to catch the ball with him? Nope. No, you already said Robert Woods is injured. They drafted Kyle Phillips in the fifth round, which is a, a, a slot wide receiver who I like I a lot. Who? He's Kyle Phillips. Yeah, I haven't watched him. He's a UCLA. Hmm. He was a um, very good. But you look at it like he he can track the ball. He gets the ball at the higher point, gets down, gets to the line, sets back up, goes. So like they know how to get the you can get the ball to Traylon Burks easily. It's just you know our defense is going to be more focused on him and Henry now. That's the only downside I see is because so yeah he played in the SEC but going against as the number one receiver, how are you be able to get the ball to Burks if a lot of defenses start kind of focusing more on him? Uh, I think that you still can though, right? I mean. San Francisco, everybody knew the ball was going to Debo, and that's where Burks' ability to pick up that yak comes in, the ability to break tackles. I mean, the dude is hard to bring down, and he doesn't go down first hit. He's got that kind of running back vibes about him in in that sense. So, you know, and you mentioned the contested ball ability. That's why I don't concern about them keying in, because, look, Burks has a true my ball attitude. 
He, yeah. And he's going to pick up yards. So I don't necessarily worry about defenses keying in too much. Um, he didn't necessarily struggle with press, and he can go up and get it. So, you know, I, I Burks, to me, has one of the safest floors of any of these top-tier guys as far as not busting goes. Especially year one, because it's year hard. One. I mean, unless he gets hurt or 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 Daniel just completely tanks or Burks becomes to kill Harry. Yeah. Please don't. Um, I don't think he will. I know. I know. Thankfully, Tennessee, I won't say that they, you know, cleared all doubt, but when you trade your number one and then draft his replacement right away, it makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. All right. Plus, you got Malik Willis. Yeah. 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 Maybe. <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of insulation there. Okay. Those are all your first rounders. So there were six first six. round guys. And then a lot of second-round guys, too. Starting off top of the second round, the Packers actually go out and get Aaron Rodgers, a receiver, in Christian Watson. Um, you know, kind of a tale of two things with Christian Watson. On one side, not very productive in college. On the other side, super explosive. Uh, dude's a playmaker. He's a better version of what they got rid of in MVS and NDSB. But, you know, how does it transition? And, you know, he did dominate smaller school competition. We have seen smaller school guys be successful. Um, But that's, you know, one of the bigger concerns about Watson. It's not the explosiveness. It's not the ability. It's how is he going to adjust to the NFL level compared to some of these other guys. And he has to worry about it with Christian Watson or with Aaron Rodgers, who notoriously hates <laughs> like these, like, wide receivers. like he hates, like they, and Watson, 6'4, 208, hyper athletic, like against FCS levels of defensive back. So, as Hopper kind of mentioned, you know, how much would, of that was it just him, Akeem Butler, everybody, or, or is it actual skill? His best comparable on player profiler is Denzel Mens, and that just sends shivers down my spine. Uh, thinking about Denzel Mims again. Yeah, it's not a profile that if you follow it is actually produced that well. So yeah, it's uh, you know, and the fact that Rogers is thirty eight years old, he's he's closer to retiring than you know than the reaching its peak. So maybe he feels kind of like a trap. I don't know how you guys uh, feel about it, but he kind of feels like a trap to me. There's explosive upside. I don't necessarily think he's he's a trap. I think that people are probably going to go apeshit over the landing spot to where it's going to not be one of those we hate play i don't hate players i hate adp type things and yeah some of the other big names that got good landing spots will hold that down and keep that from being egregious there are a couple guys below him you know in the nfl draft that i feel like are are safer but you know i think that i mean he's got more upside, not as much floor as a is a Mechie or Pickens given the landing spot. Sky Moore's close. Valus Jones is close. Oh God, sorry, Bears. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, he he's kind of an enigma because I could certainly see the bust being there, but I don't given the offense and the athleticism, I don't think it will be. It just might be a difficult curve. And the fact that Rodgers is going to throw the football and put his people in a place to succeed. And right now, what he has is is not a lot. 
It's yeah, going to be Alan great Lazard. when Alan Lazard are targets them. It's going to be great to see. Yeah. Oh, I'm well, totally yeah, down for look, that. Look at him. Yeah, I know you yeah, are. Because <laughs> he never targets his rookies that much, you know? He's always been more like everyone your rookie. Look at Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. Their first year were never like the year that we would expect out of any of them. And they, they, then they become the star year two, year three. We're like, but he also had other people there. <laughs> I mean, he also yeah, had those guys had also competing against each other. Yeah. yeah. Donald Driver, Driver, my favorite backer. And, you know, he, he, and Adams, I mean, he also had guys there that he could rely on. And this is different where, you know, his one holdover is Alan Lazard. It's not yeah. like you've got Christian Watson coming in and Devontae Adams is still there. And then you draw those synergies like you had with, with Jordy coming in or Devontae coming in near the back end of, of Jordy or, you know, Jordy coming in with Jennings, Jennings coming in on the back end of Driver. This is more, you got to have somebody. And, and there's not the established veteran dominant alpha receiver there to succession. Compliment it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm hoping Green Bay sucks this year. Maybe this is the the year where, where Rodgers has a Peyton Manning the final season and maybe gets spelled up by their defense because it's still very good. It'll just be Aaron Jones wide receiver one season. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> It's going to be a Mari Rogers Chris playing the Randall Cobb role. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still think Alan Zara is going to be a great value for Jeffs because people are going to overdraft Watson and Lazard is going to be there for the taking. I like Lazard. I've always liked Lazard, though. So do I. Uh, Wondell Robinson, I don't even want to talk about. That was too that. I just, I just kind of like, what? Yeah. They made Why? so many good moves in the first <laughs> round, and they followed that up with Wondell Robinson. Like, what the fuck are you doing, Jet Giants? <laughs> yeah, I laughed at that one. Uh, like Kadarius Tony and Sterling Shepard, and hello, Wondell Robinson to go in that spot with you. Yeah, That's right, right there with Kadarius Tony. Right, Three John, slot receivers. John Mechie. <laughs> Mechie's a guy in this draft class. I feel like didn't get enough love. You look at, you know, he can go deep, but he works a lot more intermediate. Good route runner, good hands coming off of an injury. Andy lands in a spot in Houston where, you know, they have Brandon Cooks probably in the short term, but, you know, it's a team that's going to be behind that should need a, a decent amount of volume. I like John Mechie as a guy that's kind of flying under the radar. Is he going to be ready by week one? Yes. Okay. Him more so than Williams. Yeah, Mechie will be. A lot of the same thing. Maybe a slow start, but he has a. A wide open room to take. I wouldn't be surprised if if Cooks is traded this off season. So, and then it's just Mechie you know, and Nico signed. Collins. Yeah, Cooks just signed that contract, but I know that doesn't mean anything anymore. Not that, yeah, not in today's NFL. Doesn't matter. <laughs> nope. I don't care how much dead cap I lose. Fuck them. Not like the Texans don't have dead cap to play with. Um, or no, their cap situation was pretty shit, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. They gave so they gave all those horrible contracts like yeah. you know, Tunsil and those guys. Just and Watson's all the dead cap from Watson's move too. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Mechie's a guy that flies under the radar though. He's going to have the opportunity to be, if not the one, the two there. Um, give you some some good value, and he's not going to get first round rookie draft capital put on him. So when you get down to that second round. You know, Mechie, I think, probably has the one of the safest floors of these wide receivers that are going to be available or should be available in the second round of your rookie draft. Um, 
And it's not like he's a slouch either. He does have the he does have some big playability. He does have the ability to potentially develop into a true one. It is question marks on the offense, but I, I just think that Mechie is going to be a very solid, solid player. Maybe not spectacular. He may never be spectacular, but very solid. Like a wide receiver, wide, wide receiver two, wide receiver three type player. Yeah. He feels like a three. The type of guy that I value quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's Hopper's. It's, it's Hopper's uh, favorite it's kind of receiver. The under, yeah, is the undervalued possession receiver. You see, appropriately priced Alabama receiver. Finally, yes. <laughs> For God's sakes, <laughs> finally we get one of them. Going at pick eighteen right now. Yeah, in rookie draft. So that's not a bad value at all. Nope. Nope. Not it's at good. all. Uh, Tyquan Thornton. I'm totally out on. God, what a what a horrible fucking pick too. Yeah, it's just typical New England. You know, that's what you just yeah. say, you know, typical New England. They don't know how to draft a wide receiver. They don't, and they still didn't. And you know, you can look at the the draft metrics and salivate, but it didn't did not show up on film. So and he's old too, isn't he? Is he like twenty five already? No, that's well Or that Vallis Jones. That's 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 that's, that's what I'm Yeah, Vallis Jones. Yeah. yeah. V-L-U-S, I think it's Velas. It's Bust, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah, Bus. Bus Jones. Aw. Yeah, that's easy. Sorry, Fields. You're going to have to wait till next year. Yeah, who who gives a quarterback the option to pick their player? I mean, come on. Didn't we learn from CEH already? That's what I said. Like, somebody was on Twitter, like, trying to defend it. Oh, you're really going to say it's a bad pick because... The player Justin Fields hand selected while watching film with Ryan Poles. I'm like, yes, actually, quarterbacks are notoriously bad talent evaluators. Name one <laughs> player that's been handpicked by a quarterback that has actually fucking worked out well. We never hear it because it never fucking it never happens. happens. Yeah. Uh, next year, the the Bears are setting up next year. Most most in salary cap money, and they're going to have a high draft pick. Good lord, George Pickens <laughs> falls because of off field concerns. Uh, lands in Pittsburgh. So, solid spot. Solid succession planning. Um, you do still have Deontay Johnson there. Claypool will probably be on the way out. So, there is target competition. Um, he's another guy that you look at and you say, all right, just flash your one. Show me something. Even though you don't expect all the productivity, or at least I don't. He should be on the field with uh, James Robinson gone. They also took... Another outside speedster receiver James to be Washington. the number four outside. Yeah. Yeah. Washington oh, yeah, left, Austin. but they drafted uh, Kelvin, Kelvin Austin, Austin, right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, uh, I agree with you, Hopper. He's going to probably, probably for 2023, Deontay Johnson. I don't think he's being resigned yet. I don't know if he's going to hold out or not. I found it hilarious that Chase Claypool was the one that announced the pick. <laughs> you announced your successor, buddy. Because <laughs> that he's a fucking headache to deal with too. He's got his own off the field shit. So I agree with Hopper. As long as he can show show us something year one, um, we're gonna feel great about it. And, and keep his nose clean. I, but to, and he keep your nose clean. In a good yep. spot for keeping your nose clean. No. Yeah. But at least yeah. it's a decent foundation in Pittsburgh. Not a great you know way of, of keeping off the field guys off the field problems sane, but nah, at least organizations. More stable than most. They don't put up with shit. That's for sure. <sighs> Alec Pierce, another guy that that I like quite a bit. Highly athletic, 
mostly played out of the slot. Dude can separate though. Um, and actually does show some, some breakaway. I mean, he's not quick, but he is fast. Um, goes to the Colts. So, you know, good compliment to Pittman. Who's more of your, your over the middle type guy. Um, and if T Y Hilton has nothing left in the tank, Alec Pierce immediately slots in as your, your speedy slot guy to go with the last couple of years. Matt Ryan Pierce is a guy that I think could, it's kind of the anti Pickens where Pickens, I just want to see it flash. Um, Pierce, if he's going to blow up, needs to blow up year one or year two before the Colts end up in a quarterback situation. It's a good compliment to Pittman. He's a good compliment, compliment to Pittman. Campbell. We should work the slot. Um, I don't know what they're going to, how they're going to deploy them. Campbell's got to be know, healthy first. Yeah, that too. Uh, he, he lands into a pretty, I mean, outside of Pittman in a pretty wide open wide receiver yeah. room for competition. Um, he could be someone that, you know, that, that shows early flashes. Well, and that's the other thing with Campbell is he's not established because he hasn't been able to stay on the field. Yeah, so. fucking, it, it, he's it established that he is, that he's open. always on the injury report. Yeah, yeah. Always hurt. I mean, unfortunately, Matt Ryan doesn't have the same arm that he had, you know, 18,000 years ago, but I'm excited to see what his usage looks like. Maybe he's more than just a downfield threat the way that, you know, the same, you know, body type is like Christian Watson. I just hope he doesn't get typecasted. And hopefully he does something more than what other uh, Colts receivers couldn't do last year, which was go over 500 receiving yards outside of Michael Pittman. Because everyone else was under 500 yards and like, and really didn't stay like healthy. do anything. Yeah. We're like, Alex Pierce kind of like, like we already said, like I haven't seen him as a compliment also, but also like a Jordy Nelson type of piece. Exactly. The way he can bounce outside, he can catch the ball, he can get it at a high point, he can quickly get off the line, he can run down the sideline, he can tiptoe it in. I mean, he's got the great hands too to grab it. Actually, something that I like early caught. I want to look into that comp a little bit more. His best comparable on player profiler is Cody Latimer. He is the he is of the uh, hyper athletic, big outside types. Your Denzel Mims, your Prashad Perrimans of the world, where there's clearly he they like him for his speed and his take the top off ability. Um, more. I, I, <laughs> We'll see he what he is at the next level. Too. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, was that what helped make Desmond Ritter good, or was it known did Desmond Ritter make Alex Pierce good? Probably a little bit of a both. A little bit of both, right? But I think that I honestly think that Ritter and really that offense, rely, being as balanced as it was, actually stopped Pierce from having multiple thousand yard seasons versus the other way around. So, you know, I think in watching Pierce, if I remember right. Um, you know, he did more than just speed with his separation. And like you said, his ability to go to go contest and catch with the football. It, it's a great compliment to Pittman. And I think this is a, a one, two of two guys that, you know, or two guys that are probably going to be wide receiver twos going forward. Yeah. Well, God, it's bets and parables are, are pretty rough though. Latimer, Jalen Straw and Paris Marshall, Tracon Smith, Dante Mockrief. Okay. His college productivity is actually pretty similar to Jordy's too. Except that last year. I think he had twelve touchdowns too. He did. Ken Red Jordy or, or Pierce? Pierce. I Pierce had what eight touchdowns last year? I thought it was more than that. Yeah, eight receiving 12. touchdowns. Eight he had uh thirteen total eight last year. Oh, okay. That's the that I looked at. 
Interesting. Okay. Um, all right, keeping it moving past Pierce. Sky Moore. Uh, Sky Moore landed in about the perfect place. A guy like Sky Moore could have landed. I love it. I mean, Tyler to Mahomes for the foreseeable future. He's got a bunch of role player, prove it one year guys in an aging, you know, Travis Kelsey. Um, he's obviously not Tyree Kill, but you absolutely have to love the insane release ability and how quickly he can create separation off the line. And when you get a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who's notoriously aggressive with those type of receivers, sky's the limit. <laughs> Plus, he used to play cornerback too. For uh, quarterback, Washington. yep. So that's why that's why he's number twenty-four. Also, which a lot of people always ask, like, why is he still number twenty-four? Because he never switches number when he played corner. Mm-hmm. He's he this year's uh, Jordan Addison. He's this year's yeah. Jordan Addison. He got he got recruited to play defense, switched over to the offense because he's just too good. Right. Love Sky Moore. Love this spot. It's a great spot. Quick receiver. Good size. Fast slot. Could be fast fast slot guy. Quick enough to play outside. Another receiver room that's just absolutely wide open. I'm, I'm he actually primarily side. played outside. I'm yeah, listening to a podcast, too. he was a 30% slot receiver. So he primarily played on the outside, too. Mm-hmm. In college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of stutter step, too. Like stutter, like he'd run out like a quick five-yard plant, turn around real quick, and be ready for the ball right in his face. Yeah, I he, love those double. Which yeah. is... Again, it's a lot of Tyree Kill like stuff where yeah, you just get the ball catch in the run. space and let him go. A lot of catch and run. Yeah. Um, Bayless Jones to the Bears. There's some people that like the film. Um, obviously, the age comparison is not good. The production profile is is not good. The the combine was okay. The landing spot. I mean, outside of Darnell Mooney, there's nothing here. So he's gonna get a shot. Um. You know, I don't expect him to be highly. What's his ADP right now, Ryan? Nothing. Uh, yeah, I think he's fourth round. And I think that that's fine for a guy that's going to get a shot to see the field. Um, you're not elevating him like you would a a younger guy or a better, you know, guy with a better profile that you maybe had a little bit lower. Maybe you know, like a Calvin Austin had had gone here or something like that. You might elevate a little more, um, but. He is a guy that, you know, uh, he's going to see the field, and I think that that alone makes him draftable because there is no depth to this Bears offense. He's going to get so a chance. hard. Because, like, when I was, like, watching him, the only thing I liked about him was his punt and kick return ability. Because <laughs> the way he could do that right off the bat, his speed right there was, like, his strength. And it's like, I, and, like, with his age being 25, it's like, is his skill more based on the age? Because, you know, he's been. Right, I think it was what fifth or sixth year. Super developed, yeah, yeah. six yeah. year player. Six year player being in the in the uh, college offense, so it's like you have to kind of like throw that into effect too with it. And spending third row capital on it was totally questionable when you have Jalen Tolbert and David Bell still sitting there on the it, board. And that, missing that Khalil Shakir, so many good options. Yeah. Jalen Tolbert fuck? and Khalil Shakir were the reasons that I threw shit. Like I can do without David Bell, but taking a Valus Jones when Tolbert who. Tolbert, who's a guy that I'm really, really high on. Like I like him love more him. than Dotson. I love Tolbert. Yeah, I love Khalil Shakir. And yeah, you did this. Awesome. I mean, this is the moment where I decided I am fucking done. <laughs> it, it was rough. I felt bad. I was like, "Guy, God, Bears, what are you doing?" So many options. So pissed off. 
There's punters and kickers getting drafted, but it was Vilas Jones that freaking, you know, tipped us all. Yeah, two fourth-round punters and a fourth-round kicker go. I'm all for that. <laughs> well, I know you are for the brand all the way. Let's talk Jalen Tolbert. Um, first off, he got the draft capital I was hoping for. When I saw, you know, pre-draft, a lot of people had him well below what they had Dotson. So when I decided, you know, I'd like to get one, I liked this film as much as I did. All I wanted to see was day two draft capital. He got it. Um, he lands in Dallas, and that gets interesting because he should see the field early. Um, I believe. Like yeah, he will because Michael Gallup will be in the Gallup's going to still be in the puppets, so he's going to see the field early along with probably either James Washington or Noah Brown. So he is going to see the field early. Um, he will have a chance. It's going to be when Gallup gets back. What does that look like? Um, it's a high volume passing offense, so I'm willing to to bet on it because those things will also work their way out. Either, you know, I'm betting on him to produce when he gets the chance early on, and then you got to figure that one out when Gallup comes back. Um, you know, along with with CD Lamb, but. You know, we also did see situations where Cooper could produce with those two on the field. Not last year, but I think year before. Year one of Cooper with Dallas. Yeah, yeah. year one of Cooper with 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 this. So I think that this offense, him landing there, I'm okay with the fact that he landed with with CD Lamb with Michael Gallup. Um with Dak Prescott, because we know that they're gonna try to throw the ball six hundred plus times. So the target volume should be there. Um, you know, it, it's he can easily slot in and pick up what Cooper left, even when all of them are back. And I'm I'm here for that, especially with that profile. Third round draft capital um, should be able to get him in the second round of your rookie drafts. You know, if he's in that eighty to ninety target range, perfect because he's also got that, some ability to stretch. That's comparables. Adam Thielen, productive. Sidney Rice, very productive for a couple of years. Santonio Holmes, super productive. His, his uh, floor is Josh Reynolds. And his final one, Greg Jennings. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. You're on a top five passing offense. Wow. You have a receiver that can both play in and out. I'm really interested to see when all three are healthy, who, who who's playing on the outside. Because I think Lamb can do far more than just play inside. I would love to see him move to outside and be the true, have him take over the true Cooper role. And then we'll, and we'll see what they do with Tolbert. They play him inside to start out his career. But with Michael Gallup probably playing, probably on the puppets out six weeks to start the year. I don't believe in James Washington. I don't believe in Noah Brown, which I'm pretty shocked he's still in the league. So good for him. Um, Matober size in in what I think is a sneaky sneaky good spot. I think he could be in line for a seventy target season and put himself up there in that hopefully in that six hundred plus receiving yard range. I think there's there's upside to this this offense. So, Ryan, what are your thoughts on on this Tolbert spot? I, I like the landing spot actually because you I mean you lost. Cedric Wilson free agency to the Miami Dolphins. So you had yep. you, you had a, a true need here of trying to get a receiver with Michael Gallup also being on the pup list and being injured. So, yeah, totally agree. I don't know if I could see 700 yards. I could see 500 yards kind of being his feeling because you still have Dalton Schultz there. 
You still have Zeke Elliott. You still have Tony Powell. You still have another powerful offense all around him. So I can see it like him being more of like a W, like a wide receiver four, basically to start out his career. So be, be, he'd just be more of a bench depth piece and like maybe a bye week filler for this year. I think if he's top thirty six, we're super happy. And like oh, and like yeah. he may go along the lines of like a Chris Godwin type of trajectory where he just has to earn his spots and wait out for like you know Gallup to either lead the team or you know guy like like even CD Lamb could leave at some point. So there might be a, a time where he just has to wait wait out these guys ahead of him. But there's 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 very clear upside to Tolbert. I heard a uh, a yardage discussion, and I'm just gonna plant my flag on the. The 700 being his floor, um, or being his ceiling. That'd be pretty awesome. I, I'm gonna go right there with. Uh, <laughs> I love your, I love your aggression yeah. with it. I, I absolutely the 700 to 800 yard range because I look at what Cooper did last year and the feeling on was it was, was it wasn't good, and with Gallup healthy, that's essentially the guy that you're bringing him in to replace. And even with season Schultz had Gallup got hurt late. Uh, Cooper was 68 receptions, 104 targets, 865 yards, and Tolbert's a little more explosive. So, you know, I think seeing him that 80 to 90 target range, the 7 to 850 yard range is very doable. And I think that you're very happy with that as year one performance for a guy you're going to get in the second round. What was Cedric Wilson's stat, though? So Cedric Wilson didn't really For last year on the field until injuries happened and he was 602 61 targets 45 receptions 602 yards only started four games though all right right. we're gonna pivot we got a question that could have a lot of conversation to it so good and and we got a guest on greg wants to know so greg has the 207 in the in the 210 and a 14 team super flex league doing his rookie draft obviously right now best players available david bell Alex Pierce, we just start, talked about. Wanda Robinson, Brian Robinson, Tyler Algier, and Matt Corral. He's got he's got two picks in this uh in this uh four pick range. David Bell, Alex Pierce, Wanda Robinson, Brian Robinson, Tyler Algier, and Matt Corral. What are you guys' thoughts? Who should who should who should Greg take? All right, so I'm just gonna throw the guys that I wouldn't take out there first. I'm gonna throw Wandale out. Yeah, I wouldn't take Wandale. Second Matt. I wouldn't take Wandale. Um Pierce is still in, Robinson's still in, Algiers in, Corral's in because it's super flex in a fourteen team league. Um I don't like Bell's athletic profile. I get that a lot of people, you know, think he could be cut from the Landry mold, but he land we haven't gotten to him yet, but he landed in Cleveland. It's an offense that that does have opportunity but does also want to be run first and you know, if he if, even if he gets the Landry role right, how much do you do you like that? You have Cooper there, but I mean Landry didn't exactly put up great numbers. The floor was fine; he didn't put up great numbers. So for me, um, I'm out on Bell. Are you guys same way there? I'm pretty clear cut with who I take with these two picks, okay. and it's not Bell. And and I'll Bell. I'll talk I'll, I'll talk I'll be the the soapbox for Bell, but I, I think the answer is pretty clear for me. Yeah, I think for me it is two. I think we might differ on one guy, but I think for me it is two. How, how do you feel, Ryan? Where are you? You're the what guest. The, Why don't you give your what was the pick yet again? All right, so yeah, so he has the two hundred seven and, and the two ten. It's a 14, te- 14 team super flags. Yeah, 
210. So you have pick 22 and 26. 2125, well, maybe. Uh, I mean, it's almost like you almost got to look at this team, see how it's being built. Like, like the, yeah, just weak into that quarterback. Well, you, you know, like these and, are quite like hard questions that I always find hard to answer because people are like, you know, oh, why would you do that? I'm like, well, how do you know what their team looks like? Well, in a well, based on the so context vacuum, of what we have, yeah, the context yeah. of the league size and in a vacuum. So, if yeah. if you're doing this as like a mock draft where you don't really have a team, you're just looking at drafting it. I would be, like right now with kind of what I know and the way I feel right now, like at two hundred seven, I'd I'd go running back, and okay. I go Tyler Tyler Algier, Algier there, just knowing kind of have an idea of what we know right now, and it's sure. so hard to tell between you know now when you're drafting and week one. You're drafting you're drafting best player available at this point. We're, we we yeah. are so far out from the league to start. So many injuries, so many trades. You can fix your roster after the draft. And I always so feel like going like best player available here is always going after the running back. Because like if you don't know but you have an idea with a running back, I always lean towards more towards the running back because their value seems to hold better and longer and faster. And it grows people. rapidly. I mean, yeah. if Tyler Algier is one of the answers. Tyler Algier is, f- is one of the answers. It's one of the um, answers. And I, I'm with you there as well. I mean, you have the opportunity there. It's a 14-team league, so there's that extra depth that makes it harder to find running backs that – that are going to be valuable. He's in a great spot where you have questions of the passing game and the questionable passing game's best friend is a good run is a good running game. So I, I, I do think there's a chance he's the starter there and getting the majority of the carries by the end of the year. Who's the other guy for, for you, Dan? Matt Corral. It's Corral. You, you um, got it. It's, it's still super flex quarterback and Corral's going to get a point to play this year. It's it's you flip them. I say you flip Algier when he blows up because I don't think he has any long-term value and you flip Matt Crow when he blows up and you just you collect on the value gain, especially if your team that's not competing. You're going to get value from both of them. So those would be my two picks. So I'm going to go another way here and I'm going to say that Pierce is my other guy and it's because I feel like you have to get some of this tier two, tier three, round two wide receiver depth in this class, especially if you're looking for a piece that you're going to keep around on your roster long-term that you're not drafting to flip. The bus, yeah, I get it super flex, but the bus potential on Corral is 100% there. So with two picks here, you know, I want to leave feeling like I got some value to my team. So if I'm drafting Algier, and in my mind, I'm in kind of a quasi-rebuild, if I'm drafting Algier to be a guy that I'm looking at flipping when they blow up, I'm drafting Pierce to be a guy that I'm looking at it holding on to as a is a is a second round value that I can keep a hold of that I'm pretty sure is not going to be a total miss. Oh well, yeah, that's exactly who I would go with too, and for the same exact reason because it's just a building piece because you don't know like okay, yeah, Sam Howell might get that opportunity to play, but how many points is he going to give you, and is he going to stay? Or it's like. Corral. You're taking a dart throw. That, yeah, yeah, you're taking it's, more of a it's dart Matt throw Corral, not Sam Howell. So, oh, Sam. All right, Matt Corral. I'm sorry. It, it, is it that much different? I mean, yeah. I think all these guys have a have a high chance to bust. Like oh, Alec yeah. Pierce, just noodle arm Matt Ryan. I mean, he, yeah, he got decent draft capital, but I mean, maybe there's a point. It, that it's, I'm going for. I'm trying. I'm going for the higher. I'm just. I'm just going for the value at this point. And I do lean David Bell because I'm also a David Bell truther. I'm I'm not going to hide it, but it, it, you know, it's, 
similar opportunity to Pierce too. They just play different roles. So if you're going for that type of, of weight, it's you know, they're they're interchangeable for me, one and the same. If we're going for potential long term, one's actually tethered to Deshaun Watson, and the other one's tethered to Matt Ryan. One so is tethered to actual like athletic profiles that may that line up with NFL productivity and the other one. I mean, Jarvis Landry was a very productive receiver and same as Anquan Bolden, his best comparable player. So we don't need to be athletic to play in the slot, <laughs> which is where he's going to be. So that, I mean, again, I'm not drafting those two because they both have a, they're, they're, I do, I do see bus opportunity for both of them. I'll take Matt Corral. And if he, if he starts, I'm going to flip him because you're automatically going to get your value in return in a better draft class next year. Because somebody's going to be a Matt Corral truther. They're out there, Hopper. I know and it's if rare. He never does. I, we're not one. We both hate them. So and if he never <laughs> does, you wasted that pick. So yeah, yeah. Or, try, yeah. or, 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 or you hold on to him too, because maybe he is something. Maybe he hits the ceiling. So, but or no, you t- or you take that like t- like say he takes Tyler Algier and some offers him 20, 23 second right now. Do you do I that? take you know, it the next pick, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like yeah, you know, try- absolutely right. You're right, and and he'll probably play and start at some point this year, if not week one. Right. And as soon as he goes for, you know, 100 yards in a tutty, you can trade him. Or mm-hmm. if you're a championship team, then you just ride the points that year. Well, the good news about this is we just got to talk about David Bell, who would have been skip right over I think that. he's the next guy up, isn't he? Yeah, that's why I said we can skip right over that. We just got to talk about him. That's funny. I love it. Um, Okay, this is the part where we're just going to get to guys that you might want to get to that are left over that were, were yeah. drafted. Uh, for me, the guy I want to get to is Khalil Shakir. Um, Buffalo, fifth-round draft capital. Um, there is a path to productivity, especially for him, who profiles as a pure slot receiver. He's going to start camp uh, blocked out by Jamison Crowder. Um, Crowder has dealt with some health issues the last couple of years. If he can stay healthy through camp, we'll probably break camp with this team. If for some reason he does not, Shakir fits that role very, very nicely, um, along with Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs. Um, and I don't expect Crowder to be... He's on a one-year deal, I think. Yes. Effectively. Yes. So I don't expect Crowder to be here beyond this year. Um, I think McKenzie signed a two-year deal too. So the other guy that very be, very low salary too. Yeah, that would be in consideration for slot work. So Shakir at some point is going to get relatively consistent slot work on this team, and you know it, it's a high volume team. It's a good offense. Um, so I, I'm completely here for it. Is another guy you can get it with relatively good draft capital. Ryan, who's a guy we haven't talked about yet that you want to throw some some shine on? Kyle Phillips. You and I kind of talked about it when Dan was away mm-hmm. as like one of the, he was a, uh, who's UCLA's coach. I'm, it's like hitting me. At, I'm having like a freaking brain fart on it right now. But, uh, it looks like a model. Dude. Like this dude looks, this dude's pretty as shit. <laughs> it looks like an Abercrombie and Fitch model. slightly smaller. Uh, God, it's blinking me right now. What the heck was the coach's name? Philadelphia Eagles old head coach. Doug Peterson. Chip Kelly. No. Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. Yes. Chip Kelly. That's the one. So Chip Kelly actually recruited this kid to UCLA. And uh when I was watching, I saw basically one of the best wide like not wide receivers, but the best slot receiver for slot receivers. You know, he was great route great route runner, 40 speed that you can get excited about, which is four or five eight. But it, 
his initial like takeoff, like 10 to 20 yards uh, time was like 1.49 and 2.57. So that initial takeoff to like get and go was like there. And you can see it in his tape too, if you ever get a chance to get to watch it. And uh, he also held a 31% uh, target share and 38% college dominator rating for a player profile, which I know you love, Dan. We both yeah, we're we're a very pro player profile here. Right. Um, and Dan. I kind of saw like, basically when I, when I was watching that more, comparing it was more like a, Julian Edelman type player. He's definitely has, and, and he's got the opportunity playing in Tennessee, right? You know, we talked about them a bunch with the Burks part of it, but again, Woods probably on the pub list. Old, you know, you have Westbrook there. You know, the, the, he the, there's a good chance for him if, get he, on the field. to work it onto the field, and if he's a special teams guy, uh, obviously helps even more. So, so. There is some opportunity for him in that in that pretty wide open room outside of Burks and Woods. I'd like to argue with you about him being pretty though. He looked pretty in the small picture, and then you click on it and blow it up, and it just looks like Hunter Renfro without the receding. He area. does look like Hunter Renfro <laughs> back when you know when Renfro right. was in the sixties when he was still twenty years old. Yeah, back before the receding <laughs> hairline. Yeah, I love it. He does. He, he he's yeah. I do see a lot of Hunter Renfro in his face. You know when he has pretty. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, that's that's one thing. But like, I could see like he's like one of those late like fourth round dart throws you have. You know, it's like you're at the end of your draft. You don't know who else to grab. Bull Mountain's gone. You know, you kind of just take him out. All right, it's time. Dan, go ahead. Bull Mountain. Poetic about Bull Mountain. Oh, I love it. I mean, you know, we're talking about also landing spot being absolutely fantastic. Goes to Seattle. Best comparable player is Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett could be off the team within by next year. Um, hopefully a whole new uh, a passing crew there, a whole new quarterback, hopefully for a whole new coaching staff. Um, Melton's the guy, just like with Kyle Phillips. Shakir probably goes around before these guys, but I want both. If I if, if I can get one of my dart throw running backs, I, I, these are the guys I want to take. These are, there's there's chance, you know, for opportunity this year you know, for Melton. And, and I want to get on top of that, obviously great athletic profile. You don't love the seventh round pick, but again, we're, you're looking at the fourth and fifth round dart throw guys. He is definitely one you need to circle on your list. Just given um, the opportunity that he could see this year. And yeah, I want to double back to Kilo Shakur. I cannot wait for him to all produce Gabe Davis this year. All the Gabe Davis hype, so freaking. I got into a so. huge argument with a bunch of Gabe Davis truthers yesterday, and I actually like Gabe I'm Davis. A Gabe I just Davis truther, but not it's it, you're 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 a realistic Gabe Davis truther. These motherfuckers, I had to get into battle with 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 Josh Larkey, no less, on my side. It was just the love for him, man. It's just you, you have one blow up game. He's not a one. He's, He's really never going to be a one. He's going to be the touchdown upside will carry him to a two. And that's where he's going to be. In some weeks, it's not going to be huge. In other weeks, it's going to be great. But yeah, I love Kill Shakir. And I love Bull Melton. And I'm, I'm intrigued by Kyle Phillips. Landy spot, definitely. But yeah, I'm glad we we, we were going to hit on those guys because we, we we always talk about them. So it was funny too because I had Bull Melton as like one of my like dark horse, dark, dark horse wide receiver sleepers. I said who could go as high as picks as uh, round three or as low as. Uh, Round six, 
I can't believe you got round seven. I was shocked by that. And I had the same comparison. You know, you got yourself like either uh, Tyler Lockett or you have Donovan Peoples Jones. You know, someone who's overly athletic, but, you know, being held in a Big Ten offense gets held back a little bit. Playing with Rutgers really hurt him. He was like, are his issues? DJ Moore just aggressively held back by his offense. You have a Rutgers quarterback who came and threw for 1,800 passing yards. I mean, come on. It's like a standard offense there. Uh, shades of more. Is that it, Hopper? Or no, we have to talk about tight ends, don't we? Do we have to? Do we? I mean, do we have to? I, I don't scout. All done. right, perfect. We're done. <laughs> Ryan. I mean, overall, this tight end class was what? Trey McBride and then everyone else? At least McBride landed in a. Okay, spot yeah. behind Zach Ertz. Yeah. Titans, we really should just skip talking about his rookies and start talking about them after year two. Yeah, I think, yeah. Okay, year two, three, year three. four for some of them. <laughs> well, that's why. I mean, rookies, you're, yeah. you know, not everyone hits year one, so you're talking about them two or three years in advance. So you talk about tight ends after year two, and you're probably in about the same realm. Yep. That's the show. Ryan, thank you. Uh, where can people find you? Let them know your, all your stuff. You can find me on Twitter at RyanMiner underscore FFB. You can find all my work on Faceoff Sports Network at FFFaceoff.com. I do rookie mock drafts. If you guys want to get on any sleeper mock drafts with me, look me up as RyanMinerFFB. Friend me. I'll send you invites daily. We'll keep these mock drafts running. And I am at Beerfield Hop with two Ps. You can also find us on FFFaceoff.com and under the Beerfield Podcast, wherever you get your podcast content, and uh, Beerfield Podcast on YouTube. Dan is uh, Beerfield Thurry. Anything else, Dan? That is me. Okay, great. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye.